I am Danielle McCartan. McCartan before midnight. Now we're talking all things New York sports with you right up till 2 a.m. on this Saturday night, on this early Sunday morning. It will be. So whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into my show right now and throughout the rest of the night. We're here in the Big Apple, and Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. I got to tell you, I had the most eventful drive into the city I think I've ever had. Um, First, of course, traffic on the George Washington Bridge. Death, taxes, and traffic on the bridge. You get it? Always. Uh, Next was, uh, I don't know, some block party or something going on by the sanitation department over there on the West Side Highway. Traffic. Then there was, oh, and then there was a two-car accident a little bit farther down than that. And then, and then, just now, right by Chelsea Piers, the entire West Side Highway was shut down. Fire trucks all over the place. NYPD helicopter with the spotlight circling real low. Crowd of people. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? I rolled down the window, and I asked the FDNY uh, members, you know, what, what, what's going on? And they said somebody jumped in. And I saw the dive team members wearing their, their their rubber suits from head to toe. They were soaking wet. I saw at least five of them. I did see two ambulances, you know, leave. And uh, so, you know, it, it was a crazy drive in. And, and I just hope that whoever jumped in the water or fell into the water, I just, um, I hope they're okay. Um, but any event, I'm here. I made it. And I made it. On time, there was a spot out front, so so we're good. But, um, hey, here's the other thing, too. I've got a, a special guest lined up for you tonight. Um, I was thinking, and, and I know I mentioned it, with summer coming, I'm going to have the inaugural segment of Danielle's Summer Book Club, WFAM Book Club. Haven't really made up the name for it yet, but it's a long time in the works if you are a fan of my show. So to kick us off tonight with the inaugural edition of Danielle's WFAM Book Club, MLB.com executive reporter, MLB.com or MLB network insider. But more importantly tonight, he will be author of the franchise, New York Yankees, a curated history of the Bronx Bombers. That is Mark Feinstein will be joining us a little later in the show. And uh, here's the other thing. At the boss's feedback, we'll also be trying a little bit of a different format tonight. So I will be taking your calls during the first block here. So don't hesitate if you want to get aboard and be heard. So you know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones. It's 877-337-6666 in case you live under a rock. And as always, we will load them up with your best, most well-thought-out takes only. And I think the first topic of the night, very apropos, I, I think most of the calls will be about this tonight, is what to do har with Miguel and Duhar. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Cheesy jokes, I know. But Friday night, after the game, that was Friday night for anybody that didn't understand or didn't know. It was Friday night after the game, the Yankees optioned Miguel and Duhar back to AAA. And then Saturday afternoon, Hector Gomez tweeted, Source, Miguel and Duhar told Aaron Boone, Friday night, that he doesn't want to be with the Yankees and wants to be traded. Simple Twitter search there. And then Ken Rosendahl confirmed it, adding, not the first time Andujar has has asked out because of his lack of a consistent opportunity. Okay, so now, uh, Friday night, June 3rd, last night, Miguel Andujar told Aaron Boone that he wanted to trade from the Yankees, citing that same reason that Ken Rosendahl said. And then Ken Rosendahl confirmed the original tweet, Blah, blah, blah. Okay, here we go. The question is, 
to, if you're Brian Cashman, are you fielding calls for Miguel Andujar or are you not? And if if it's me and, and I'm Brian Cashman, I'm going with not yet. The problem with Miguel Andujar is this. He has not put together a full season since he finished as the rookie of the year runner-up in, in 2018. 18. And that was as a third baseman. He's missed 288 baseball days of action. 288 baseball days of action. Not calendar days since the beginning of 2019 with various injuries. And now the reason why I say yet is that there's plenty of time before the trade deadline. He's played in 54 games in left field so far this season. So now listen to me. Maybe this is the reason, or 54 innings that is, this is the reason why Boone is moving Hicks and Gallo around the outfield. This is what I'm thinking, because especially in left field, because Cashman is trying to figure out if he wants to keep one or both or neither of them. And I know Gallo and Hicks really can't hit, but the Yankees are winning with both of them in the lineup. And they'll hit the next year offensively once one of them is removed from it or or both of them are replaced by Andujar. So which of the three, Gallo, Hicks, or Andujar, is defensively best in left field? That's what I'd be asking myself. Whoever that is, that's the one they should keep, I think. And now I, I, I know that these don't tell the entire story of a player's ability to field, but a quick glance shows this, and I'll say this in, in the most, you know, most experienced to least experienced, the career fielding percentage of all three of them in left field. Gallo has 239 games. He's got a 982. Hicks has played in, in, in 65 games career, 989. And Andujar, 54 games in his career, 978. And Duhar, based on his fielding percentage, and again, I know there's more to it than that, but a quick glance shows that Andujar is the worst of the bunch in the field. And on this team, that would be his position. It's not going to be third base. And I think that the Yankees are just going to be just fine with Gallo or Hicks. Or, not and, over and Duhar. So if I'm Brian Cashman, I am not taking calls while this is still fresh in the news cycle for fear of being fleeced from a guy that everybody knows wants out. But definitely, I would look to include him in any trade package moving forward to address a need. And right now, we can't delineate what that need is just yet. It's June 4th. You know, there has maybe there has baseball historians out there. You probably know better than me, but there's never really been a season where a, a starting pitcher has all of the starting pitchers have been healthy and not injured throughout the course of the entire season. So maybe the Yankees will need a uh, maybe a starting pitcher. We don't know. The point is we don't know what the Yankees are going to need come July and late July at that. So the Yankees just definitely have to figure out what they have first on their roster, and then you pick up the phone or, or the, the voicemail, and then you return the call and you say, okay, potential trade partner, 
I'm going to sell you the promise and the upside of the once considered for Rookie of the Year, Miguel Andujar. Oh, and before you call me up and say, oh, well, just send Gallo or Hicks to the minors. Oh, blah, blah. Well, the Yankees cannot because neither Gallo nor Hicks have minor league options remaining. And I verified this with Brandon Cuddy. I asked him earlier today. Great friend of the show. He's a great guy. He said, this is a quote. In order to, I'm going to say this part. In order to get rid of Gallo or Hicks, here's what needs to happen. Cuddy said this, quote, the Yankees would have to DFA each player. Then each player would pass through waivers because nobody want to claim their count, their contracts outright. And then the Yankees would outright them to the minors, but then they both would have the right to reject the assignment to the minors, and they would immediately become free agents, leaving the Yankees on the hook for their salaries. That from Brandon Cuddy, great friend of the show. And then I'm going to add on top of that, if you allow them to leave as free agents through that whole rigmarole, you get nothing in return for them. I told you what I'm doing with him. But what are you doing with Miguel Andujar, you Yankee GMs out there? You keeping him on the roster, or are you trading him? And if you're trading him, when is it happening? 877-337-6666. Justin in Deer Park, you're the leadoff caller of the night. Go ahead. Hi, Danielle. What would you do with the situation with Andujar? Would you keep him over Gallo? I'm trading Andujar at the deadline. I'm keeping either Gallo or Hicks, not both. I understand. Thank you, Danielle. Justin, what are you doing with him? I would keep Andujar and look to somehow find a partner, someone to take in Gallo. Because Hicks, you can't move because $70 million guaranteed. But if I know they're working on the deal in the, in the spring training with San Diego. I would find a trade partner for Gallo. Or just let Andujar stay in the minor league, comes up and down, and then next year, when when Gallo comes off the books, there you go, Andujar. So you're keeping him. You're trading Gallo, keeping, and you're keeping Andujar. Yeah, if not this year, next year, next year hmm. when Gallo is just a free agent. Yeah, and Justin, that's a good idea. However, Miguel Andujar, of the bunch of them, he's the worst fielder of the bunch. Now, I'd love to dump Hicks' contract off the, off the books, but, but that's never going to happen. You're never going to find a trade partner to take on, I think I added up before, $30.4 million over three years. Not going to happen. And then you ask yourself, okay, you mentioned the Padres there, Justin. Okay, well, Gallo has been quite bad this year. What contending team is going to want him? I mean, they took on uh, uh, Cano, the Padres. They wasted their time, energy, and effort on Cano. You think they're going to take on another project like Joey Gallo? And and what is his worth at this point to the Yankees? Probably not much. So the Yankees are caught between a rock and a hard place here. Eric, in the Bronx, you're up next on the fan. Hello. Eric. Hey, good evening. Thank you for taking my call. Of course, thanks for making it. Yeah, I appreciate it because um, you're making a lot of sense right now. That's my job. Say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a lot of people aren't making sense that have similar jobs to you. It's like basically I'm just going to go with, again, it's like everybody's reactionary right now. Uh-huh. To the Miguel and the hard thing and everything is like the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I do believe that Brian Cashman and um, Mr. Steinbrenner and Aaron Boone probably have this stuff in mind as well. Like, I don't think they're, they don't know that Gallo isn't hitting and Andujar is a better hitter maybe. But as you said um, just a m- moment ago, it's like he could be a trade piece, whereas Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks are not. Want to take him. Yeah, exactly. Or, or not. But I'm saying, yeah, he's the one that, you know, has some potential, which is cool. Yep. Um, I think people are flipping out a little bit that he was sent to the minors or back to, you know, the farm team because I don't think it's a big deal right now. I don't like, think so either. The, if you look at the situation, they need players. Like, we still don't know if somebody's going to get hurt this year. And I know that sounds cautionary, but I'll be quiet now. But, yeah, it's like <laughs> they're they're playing the numbers a little bit. Yep. You know, they're trying to figure, like, hey, what's the safest move right now? Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's a business, too. But it's also they're looking out. I really think I don't know the Yankees better than Brian Cashman does yeah. as a fan. I don't, no we'll one think. does. <laughs> so I'll shut up now. <laughs> well, Eric, thanks for the call there. And, and, and listen, Miguel Andujar, you, you sell him on, on the, the hope that he could be, you know, somewhere else's starting left fielder or third baseman or whatever it is. But, wah, I got sent down again. I feel I, like I should be in the major leagues. Yeah, well, I feel like I should uh, have a lot of things in life, uh, professionally and personally. But guess what? I'm not, I don't have it. But I'm working towards it. Every single day I'm working towards it. And I'm doing it in a quiet manner. I'm keeping to myself. I'm keeping my head down and getting the job done and proving every single day why I am worth more than someone else. So Miguel Andujar got a feel for him. He gets sent down again. Oh, well. Just oh, well. Connor, should we do a break or should we take another call? What do you think? It's up to you. Let's break here. Okay, so Connor says let's break. Um, and uh, and keeping along the Yankees thing, and I see you guys on, on hold. I, I love you. I, stay there. Uh, I just want to update. Obviously, the Mets have uh, just, um, you know. Oh, sorry. I was got caught up in the strike there. Um, so, the Mets are in L.A., and they just took the lead just a few seconds ago during that call on a 391-foot blast off Walker Bueller by Francisco Lindor. one nothing Mets as Pete Alonso steps to the plate and strikes out to end that half of an inning. So with that, they'll go to break. We'll go to break. And I just want to vent my frustrations about the amount of TV networks that the Yankees are on this season, okay? I'm Danielle McCartan. I'll be back with you in just a few minutes here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. You're locked into McCartan before midnight. I'm Danielle McCartan with you here on, obviously, WFAN in New York City. And Pete Alonso just crashed into the wall in foul territory. That looked ugly. But he got up. His glove got stuck in the, the netting. But he got up, and he looks to be all right. So that's good news for Mets fans. And we'll get to your calls at 877-337-6666. Before we do that, though, I want to ve- I want to vent my frustrations to you all. I think, I think I share in the frustration with you all that the amount of TV networks in 2022 that the Yankees team plays on is just too much. I mean, just... 
first of all, I, I had to buy myself the Peacock app this afternoon to watch a Yankee game tomorrow. No, uh, you know, my dad was like, oh, they probably include the sports for free like Apple TV. Uh, no, sports are not included in the free package. It's $4.99 a month. And even it has commercials in it, too. Like, if I'm paying $4.99 a month, I don't want to see even limited commercials. Like, come on. And if you don't, if you want no commercials, it's $9.99 a month. That's a ripoff, okay? And quite honestly, if I wasn't going to be on the radio with you tomorrow talking about the Yankee game, just on the principle of it, I have, on top of having to pay for my sports package with Optimum, my Apple TV subscription, I know I just said it was free, but I do subscribe to Apple TV anyway, but now it's just an, another something, another thing you have to pay for just to watch, what, how many games? One of the Yankees? Let me check the uh, the schedule here. The Yankees are going to be on uh, Peacock one time. That's it, just once, June 5th, which is tomorrow. And if you're a Met fan... June 26th is the day that your team is going to be on Peacock. So you might as well just pay for the month of June and then cancel it, right? I mean, come on. What a waste of money. Just, I mean, just this weekend. Friday night, they were on, the Yankees were on Apple TV. Saturday night, they were on the Yes Network. Or Saturday, sorry. And, and Sunday, early afternoon, 1135, they're, they're on Peacock. I mean, you really need a roadmap and some extra bucks laying around just to watch this team. I think it's ridiculous. And again, this affects both Yankees and Mets fans. And we've got Stephen Montgomery, New York, wants to weigh in about the Mets. Go ahead. No, actually, I I want to talk about the Yankees. When you were going through the outfield there, sure. They now look. You said that Hicks's contract is astronomical. It's really not. What? They can get rid of that contract. It's seven seven. It's seven years at seventy. And he signed it in eighteen, in twenty eighteen. So, was that ten million a year? No, that's not how it breaks down. He's got. I'm pulling it up right now. He's got three years left. He's got eleven million dollars, ten million, and ten million over the next three. Eleven, ten, ten. Okay. All right. So if they get rid of him, who's taking that contract, Steve? Who's taking that deal? You know, I know it's ten million. Gallo's making ten million as well. Correct. I look him up right now. Joey Gallo contract. Let's find that out. Joey Gallo contract yeah, details. Let's see. Let's make sure we're all right here. 10 yes, million. ten million. Yeah, so they're both worth the same, and but Hicks has got a little longer deal. What I'm trying to say is, Andujar. We don't know Andujar's ceiling. We really don't know how good he could be. If you and everybody else, Yankee fans, think that this is all you're going to get, and he's not great defensively, then get rid of him. But honestly, we. You don't know his ceiling. Yeah, but you Steve, get rid of him to it. Here you go, Steve. Falling in love with prospects again. How did that work out with with Clint Fraser, for example? Yeah, but listen, Andujar's been around now, and you know, unfortunately, he's been hurt. But I think that he's got options, and it's just too bad. And how long did the Yankees have control of Andujar? He's, they have two I more mean, two more years of team control for Andujar. Right. So look, what's the right? He's going to be unhappy. But we still have options with him. And what about when LeCastro comes back? Mm-hmm. Who's going to go, you know, what, do, what would you do if you were Boone and Cashman? Well, LeCastro, you're going to just keep him, like, on the, what are you going to do with him? He's yeah. coming back. and I mean, that's part of the deal. That's part of the conundrum that Brian Cashman sort of kind of backed himself into. You're not finding a trade partner for Hicks and Gallo. I, I hate to tell you that at, at, at that cost. 
I'm sorry. Right. So just getting back to the to just really quick. I know you got to move on. Mm-hmm. What are the Yankees doing when Castro comes back? They're going to have to keep him in Triple A. Yeah, that's where he's optioned to right well, now. Castro is a big piece of this team, I think, in the eighth and ninth inning. Mm-hmm. These games are coming up now, and they're gonna, they might be a little tighter, you know? And Castro, if you remember, in April and I early remember. May, they, oh, I remember that. they used them. <laughs> yeah. They used them. Mm-hmm. So Castro has got to come back. Somebody's got to leave. Somebody else has got to go. So the Yankees have a problem. So that's it. And good talking to you, Danielle. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Appreciate that. And and just so we're clear, Tim LaCastro is back from the 10, 10-day IL. He's been optioned as well to AAA um, Scranton Wilkes-Barre. Okay? So it's him and Andujar down there. Okay? That's the, and, and good luck trying to find a trade partner. Great if you could find somebody. Taking $30 million. I mean, come on. No one wants. They stink. I mean, I could see if they were good, but they stink. Sean in North Carolina, you're up next on The Fan in New York City. Hey, Danielle, great show. Uh, Thank nice you. to hear you. Um, hey, are we about winning? Are the Yankees about winning? I mean, the Mets let go of Canelo. They, they, they ate salary or some of it or not. Are we about winning or not? Let go of one of these guys and eat it. Well, I, I mean, mean it's about have winning, you looked right? at the standings? I understand, but it's May or June. You know, you need every piece you can get. I think... I think one of them needs to go, Hicks or Gallo. Yeah, one of them. One. Make room for Andujar. Uh, it, it's about winning. The Yankees are about winning. I tell you, the old man would have done it. George would have done it. Well, George probably wouldn't have been uh, handing out seven-year contracts to a guy that had with an injury history as well. You know what I mean? In Hicks. But, I mean, that's exactly. that's neither here nor there for, for us to kind of decide that. But, I, I would be happy with this team. I mean, the, the team is winning. The fact is, the team is winning with the both of their bats, black holes as they are in the lineup. The team is still winning. It's not. I don't think it's going to be sustainable through the postseason. But again, you got to look at the defense. How many defensive runs saved have, have each of them had? I mean, Miguel and Duhar. You know, I know Jeff McNeil, who I'm looking at on TV right now, learned to be a left fielder. I don't know if Miguel and Duhar could do that. I mean, he's injured all the time as well. I mean, I, I think you sell him. I think you sell one of uh, Hicks or Gallo if you can, and then you just move on in that in that manner. Well, I think you got to give him a shot out of the way. Uh, you know, defensively, how many outs are how many outs are the left fielders getting per game? I mean, is Joey Gallo's defense that great that we got to hang on to him? The guy's a Gold Glover. Um, he just won a Gold Glove last season. I, I know, but you know, uh, if you can't get on base and you got what's he projected for twenty three RBIs this year well, right here, now? Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though, Sean. The Yankees can absorb that kind of bat in the postseason. They they're absorbing two, even three of them right now. A third of their lineup doesn't hit, and they're they're winning games. I know, but it's only June, Danielle, and you can't take anything for granted. you got to get every chip in place. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's fine. And you know what? I'm trading in Duhar to get that. Let's go to Lou in Astoria. You're up next on The Fan. Danielle, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I don't know why anybody used to put Gallo down when you like the guy. I mean, it's going to be tough. But let me tell you something. And Duhar, you know, if it was uh, uh, Shella, I cannot defend him. But when you got a guy like uh, Donaldson, okay, and Joey Gallo, okay, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, 
I wouldn't play another game for the Yankees if I wasn't doing it, to be honest. Yeah, but you don't have I mean, that. That's very, but why would you do that? Because yeah. then that makes you so totally uh, dis- uh, disgruntled employee to, to any other team that potentially would want you. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, but it, but yeah, but I understand, I understand that. But you know what? I do that right now. When you got two guys, like you said, you know, uh, that are not hitting. It's not just two guys, but you say it's more than that. The only reason why Dallas is on this team is because the pitching have been winning games, okay? There's only one guy there that is really unbelievable, and that's Judge, okay? And and he's going to be part of the MVP. But when you go further, when you get pitching, okay, this is going to affect the Yankees. This is not, this guy is an automatic out. I don't understand. I, what is the problem with, with understanding that? This guy beside uh, Eric Davis from the Baltimore Orioles, and you play the game. You should be better, no better than that. This guy is the worst hitter that I ever seen. And and you're talking about Gold Glove last year. That was with Texas, okay? He, with, with the Yankees, he didn't do nothing. Right now, even he made four errors already this year. He doesn't belong, Daniel. Lou, when you compare than that, when you compare yes, the o- OPS of Andujar, yes. Hicks, and Gallo. Who do you think? What do you think? Let me Forget ask you. Forget about the OPS. Let me ask you something. I want you to answer this question. What? Who do you rather have in the play right now? At the plate, Andujar I'm picking Andujar. In the field, I'm picking answer Gallo. That question for me. Yeah. Huh? First of all, let me tell you something. The, the, all of the three of them's OPS is within three hundredths of a point of each other. Okay. So at the plate, Forget I about guess. the OPS okay, right now. I know fine. That's, that's fine. Right that now, aside. I'm asking you if you. If and you I'm about to answer it, Lou. Manager. If you if you let me talk, I'm going to answer it. At the plate, I, ahead, right now, ahead. I'm picking Andujar. In the field, I'm picking Gallo. And right now, the way that this Yankees team is, is constructed, I'm picking the glove over the bat. I'm sorry. The glove over the bat because yeah. the, the pitching right now is saving his job. Like the caller just told you before, the Mets was winning and they got a player uh, as a uh, play, uh, what you uh, uh, Robinson Cano, okay. Which was a good player on, on on the dugout. Everybody loves him, and he makes him but forty he million dollars. You know, he, you knew he was going to suck. The Mets did the right move in cutting yeah, bait with I, him. I understand that, but you're talking about well, the, the Yankees are winning, so were the Mets, and they got rid of this guy. They they sent Wilson down to the minors. This guy should never play another game for the Yankees. Okay, as a matter of fact, I made a promise that until they get rid of him, I will never attend a Yankee game any a, anymore, and that's the, that, that's the way I feel about it. All I don't right. know where you lower. It's, you're it's entitled to it, Lou. But you're entitled well, to it. Wait a that. minute, Daniel. It's because he's Italian. What is the problem here? Lou, I'm you... not trying to bring a racial thing here. But what is the problem? Whoa, racial. What are you talking about racial there, Lou? What I'm saying, well, what is the reason when this guy is playing? Because I, I haven't given you enough freaking reasons, Lou. You're not listening to me. You You're not listening. Guy, you guy, want, Lou, do you want uh, in the postseason a ball hit to left field and Miguel Andujar, who has the least experience of the three of them, to field that ball, make an error, well, boot it, not take the right angle? Come on. Come on. Joey Gallo can make the play in left field. That's the difference there, Lou. He's supposed to be still. Wait, he's supposed to hit home run, steal bases, and get on base. When did he ever do that? Who said that? Who said he can hit home runs? Fine.
fine. I'll give you that. But steal bases and get on base. The guy's a, a three-outcome hitter. When did the last time he got on base? I don't understand that. What, what are you watching? Come on, Lou. You're better than this, man. You're, Daniel, first Daniel, of all, you Daniel, cannot Daniel, accuse I, I, me I, I, of, I like of sort of racist well, anything, Lou. You're you. done. That's it. You have to let me talk. You can't accuse me of that. I gave you X amount of reasons why Joey Gallo is better in this lineup or the Yankees are better in this lineup than Miguel Andujar, than, than Aaron Hicks. And if I'm the Yankees, I'm trying to unload Hicks and Dan Duhar. Wah! The guy got stuck in AAA. Wah! Who cares? Who cares? He's got two years left of arbitration. Get used to it. Get used to it. And this lineup can sustain a Joey Gallo bat. It can. It has. It has sustained three of them. Him, Hicks, and Higashioka. And they're still steamrolling the competition. Forget Andujar. He's a crybaby. Shut up. Move him. If I'm the Yankees, I'm moving him. And I'm not doing it yet. I'm patching him in a deal for what I need later on in this season. Joey Gallo hasn't been great. He hasn't even been good. But the Yankees could sustain that. And his in, in the field, in a postseason game, with a ball hit to left field, who do you want in left field? You want Andujar? The amateur left fielder, Andujar? You got to be kidding yourself. Let's take a break. 877-337-6666. It's Connor Green coming back with the, the calm, chill music on this night here. We're talking about Miguel Andujar and the fact that He's been optioned to AAA after the game last night. Too bad. That's how it works. Is this Yankees team better with him? I mean, he's capable. He is capable. There's just no room for him. Hicks has three years left on that ridiculous contract I would have never gave him to begin with. Gallo just arrived last summer, and I'm not saying it's right, but those all factor into the bigger picture with this team. If we fast forward now to to the trade deadline, I do believe... I do believe that Joey Gallo will be gone. I do believe that Aaron Hicks will still be here. And I hope that Aaron Judge is no longer playing center field. Unfortunately, Hicks and Gallo, you're stuck with them. For now. Gallo for now. Hicks, forget about it. Go find me a team that's going to take on over $30.4 million on that contract. Good luck. For a guy that sucks, good luck. For a guy who hits, I think, still exactly zero in high leverage situations in Hicks, good luck. Runners in scoring position, the guy disappears. Good luck. Okay? The Yankees can win a World Series this year without Miguel Andujar. That's a fact. The fastest way to get me going from zero to 100... Is one, to call me a racist, and two, to not listen to logic. Lou, that was a clown call, man. Up there with the day that you called me an easy out on the softball diamond. Clown calls, two of them. You're good for two of them there, Lou. I hope you didn't mean that. Because I gave you reason after reason, and you didn't listen to it. You didn't want to hear it. Mike in North Plainfield, you're up on the fan. 
Yeah, hi, Daniel. I have to disagree with you. I think Andujar is much more important to the Yankees right now than either one of Hicks or Gallo, especially Gallo. You know how many sacrifice lives Gallo has in his career? Two. He's totally useless. The one good thing about him is he won't hit into a double play because he doesn't make contact. And Andujar has been playing a pretty decent left field since he's been up. Pretty he's, not an, he's not a gold glove, but neither is Gallo anymore. Gallo may have been a gold glove, but he's not Le- a gold glove anymore. Just last year, but okay. You think this team wins a World Series with Miguel Andujar in left field? I think they have a better chance of winning with him than with Gallo. I, I, I vehemently disagree with you. Well, you're wrong. I think I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm and wrong. I'd say 75% well, Mike, of the how about this, would Mike? agree with me. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are going to agree with you. Because it's the reactionary thing there, Mike. You're wrong. No, it's not, There's no Daniel. logic I'm... behind what you're saying there, Mike. I've been watching the Yankees Miguel Andujar 19... is hurt all the time. He missed 288 days of his playing career. You want that in left field? Yeah, I'd rather we have do. that than Gallo. Oh, well, then you're wrong. How's that? No, I'm not wrong, Daniel. Okay. You're wrong. All right. We'll see. Who, we'll, we'll see. I know you got the show and you got the microphone, but you're wrong. No, you got the mic now, too, there, Mike. I've been I've been watching the Yankees since oh, it's 1956. Oh, that makes you more qualified than me, I guess. No, not necessarily, oh, okay. but I've seen more games. And I've, do, you, do you remember, let's say, Roy White? You don't. I, I, you know I was who born he is, in 1988, first of all. You don't remember, you, first of all, you didn't see him, obviously. Roy White, he wasn't a great player, but I remember one time, I go by memory, I don't have internet or anything, but one time in the late 60s or early 70s, Roy White hit two sacrifice flies in a game. That's as many as Joey Gallo's yeah, hit but in his you, career. Mike, you're comparing two different eras of baseball. Two yeah, different I am, but eras. I'm also comparing Andujar to Gallo, and Gallo is totally useless. Totally useless. So you're going to pick a guy who has minimal experience in the outfield, minimal Major League Baseball experience, and and who and where is Gallo going, might I ask? Where's, where is he going to go? Cut him. Cut him. Hey, the, 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 oh the, the, man! The match cut. The match oh. cut. Cano. Oh, and they ate his salary. The Yankees are not going to eat Joey Gallo's salary, and they're not going to not Ten million get in dollars. They can't afford that. <laughs> no, they don't want to oh, afford it. They don't want to afford it. That's Hal's Yankees. Well, different, well, than, different than the Roy them, White, uh, George Steinbrenner Yankees. Of course, you you would know that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's where we're in that phone call. Mike in Lake Mary, Florida. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Coach. Good evening. How you doing? Uh, all right. How are you, Mike? All right. All right. Before I get to my range of point, let me just jump in here on, on this Andujar thing. Let me be a little of the voice of reason here on your side a little bit. There is no way there is no way there's any great option right now for Gallo or for, uh, for Hicks. You just cutting them and getting rid of salary that's just not what it's just not going to happen the option is there for Andujar first of all to set him down yep and as you said you know we don't all get what we want in this life i mean he still could keep working towards coming back to this team it is still only early june there are there's plenty of time for things to happen for the yankees here with that and honestly with their record where they are there's no reason to panic on that yet yep. so for me i that it initially People are looking at it emotionally because they just hate Gallo and they hate Hicks and they say, get rid of these guys and just move them. But nobody's got it. You got to think it all the way through. And I'm going to say Cash is making the right move with this one for now. 
for now. That's the thing. For now. For now. On June 4th, this is the right answer. You, I can't now, believe people are getting so upset over a minor league baseball, a guy sent to the minor leagues for now. I mean, really, what's his what, what's his slice of major league play? It's he, Like you said, he has not even played a full season yet. <laughs> so we don't even know. And he gets hurt, too. So let's just let's just calm down, everybody. Let's just calm down with yep. that. Agreed. All right. Let me get to my Rangers here. All right. Yes. Very exciting. We're up two games to none. And I know your cousin's squirming, which I love, by the way. <laughs> so, um, but the thing I want, the point I want to make is, is Tampa has not had one answer for this kid line yet. Right. In these two games. So I look for the adjustment for Tampa to now put their checking line against the kid line, mm-hmm. which means look for Zibanejad's line and look for Panarin's line to maybe get even a little more open ice. And hopefully the next time we... You have your show tomorrow night. We're putting these guys on the brink. And that's, I think, and, that's and, and listen, if I'm the Tampa Bay Lightning, that is the adjustment that I'm making. This kid line, we can't even call them. Or, you know, it was the baby bombers for a long time with the Yankees, and then they grew up to be actual bombers. The kid line, yes. I don't know, they're men, they're the man line now. I don't know what you want to call them, but that's exactly mm. the adjustment that I would make if I was Tampa Bay. Um, and that yep. opens things up elsewhere because this Rangers team is loaded. They, 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 they get better every game, and they're loaded. And if Tampa doesn't have an answer for this, this could be a very, very short series. That's the way I look at it right now. But uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because it was 0-2 the other way last round, so we got to be careful here. But you can't have it any better than where it is right now. So I'm excited. That's all I can say. Yeah, and it's an exciting time, Mike, and thanks for the call, and thanks for hanging on there. Uh, it's an exciting time. If you are a Ranger fan in New York City, as I sit here right now in, in my Henrik Lundqvist jersey, it's an exciting time if you're a Ranger fan in New York City. And someone tweeted me before, maybe next weekend you could bring your trumpet to play for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I was like, I didn't even think of that. I never thought to play it for the opponents, usually because the New York teams are the ones that keep getting eliminated. But, hey, there's that. Uh, let's go, let's see, in the order that you called. Hey, hey Mark and Briarcliff, you've been hanging on for a while. Mark, go ahead. Hey, how are you, Danielle? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Just got in the car a little while ago, and you touched on the Yankees being put on Apple TV on Friday. And yes. Talk for some other games. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, I was talking to my daughter Friday night and watching a Ranger game on TV on mute, and we're listening to John and Susan on Alexa, and I refuse. My cable bill is as high as it is right now. Yep. And I refuse to, to, to spend a dime more on any more cable bills. And and if enough people don't buy it, it, it it'll reverse on it. They won't do it anymore. I don't understand. People buy it, people buy it. And they're going to keep on doing it. Com- these companies will keep on pushing the games to make more money. Mark, I'm totally with you. If I didn't have to come on here tomorrow night and talk about the Yankee game, I would find right. something else to do, uh, and and I would listen on the radio like you. Radio's free. Uh, exactly. I listen to John and Susan. I just, I, it just, it gets my. I can't spend any more money on cable. It's just ridiculous. So that got my crawl a little bit. Have a good evening. Yeah, you too, there, Mark. Yeah, and and me too. I, I have one DVR box and the sports package, and my bill is. $200. Over $200. It doesn't make any sense. And now add on another $5. I know it's $5. But add it on, add it on, add it on. It's just too much. And again, 
based on the principle, if I did not have to come on here and talk about the Yankee game tomorrow, I would not be subscribing to Peacock and wasting $5 for the month of June. <laughs> and I know it's only $5. It's still the principle of it. I joked before, Kevin Dexter is here in studio, and I finally met him. I told him I was going to call him Kevin Dexter Lawrence because I've told you before how it, how it wants to slip out of my mouth. So Kevin Dexter Lawrence is here in studio with an update. Quick break. Uh, and we'll for- Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Danielle McCartan, and this is how we do it. <laughs> I cannot believe I was just telling Kevin in the studio here. I cannot believe the entire first hour of this show has been dedicated to Miguel Andujar, who is now playing minor league ball for the New York Yankees. But so it goes. I follow what you want to do. Some interesting tweets are coming through on the break. Uh, especially one from, i got to find it now. I just had it. Oh, yeah, I had it on a different tab here. Uh, from Nick Scherer, 89. He said, if you trade Gallo and play Andujar, I don't want to hear beep about being too right-handed this Yankee lineup again. That, that's a great point. That is a great point. All you people complaining about, oh, the Yankees are too right-handed. Oh, the Yankees are too right-handed. They go out and they get Joey Gallo, who hasn't hit his weight, let's be honest who is a better fielder than Miguel Andujar, let's be honest. Let's be logical here. And 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 Andujar is the logical choice for now. You want to know why? Because he's the only one with the option to go down to minor league. That's it. That's how it works. Vincent in Merrick, New York, you're up on the fan. Hi. Uh, the one thing I think you're missing is the Yankees gave up a substantial haul for Gallo. It has nothing to do with his race. Three guys on the Rangers' active roster right now were traded. Uh, one of the guys tore up the Texas League, uh, Ezekiel Duran. They can't just be giving this guy away. Obviously, um, the sabermetrics don't uh, capture you know, mental health. I also don't think Joey Gallo is a fit for this market at all. So I think they're trying to recapture the Texas Gallo. I understand what you're saying about the defense, but he really is even the advanced uh, statistics reveal it. He's not the same guy as he was in Texas. He, he looks uh, totally lost out there in left field. He's been playing right field because he's uncomfortable playing left the last couple of days. Um, the guy does have Tourette's. There's, we've kind of destigmatized mental health stuff, but Bob Clappich wrote an article that he got in trouble for last year about Gallo having weird habits. I think, uh, unfortunately, Cashman's going to have to admit his mistake at some point in cup eight because uh, he gave up a lot for him, but he's not working out. And Duhar is not didn't exactly tear it up. It's a small sample size, but his WRC plus was like 71, which is obviously below average. But like you said, he does have options. They gave Hicks a huge contract to try to avoid the uh, luxury tax a couple years ago. They're not going to be willing to eat that. They're not the Dodgers. So uh, it's going to be rough, but I think uh, hopefully they can bring in a Benintendi or a Hap. And who are you trading for, Benintendi or Hap? They have a really deep farm system. Uh, a couple of guys are out of options. Obviously, Heal just got hurt, but they got Medina, uh, Volpe, Wells. Uh, those guys are probably untouchable. Peraza hasn't really hit their first rounder from last year. Trey Sweeney does All right, have so give value. Me, so Vincent, give me the answer. Who are you trading for an Andrew Benatendi? Some of their pitching prospects. They have a really deep farm system. You don't have to touch the, the elite guys. Obviously, the Rangers, they, they traded four, four prospects last year, three of them already in the majors. None of those guys were their top guys. So they have a deep system. I don't know if that gets it done. They, he's a rental. He's only he's only I know. under contract. I know. Season. They have the prospects. They'll be able to trade for him. Also, Ian Happ, another versatile guy. They really liked him coming out of the draft like seven years ago at mm-hmm. Cincinnati. 
he's going to be available. I don't think they're going to make a move for a catcher, obviously. Um, they value the defense and the chemistry they got going on, so I think outfield's going to be their area. Yep. They'll find somebody. I agree with you. But, uh, Vincent, yeah. I, I like the suggestion there of Benintendi. I do. I mean, he, he, if you look at his uh, his percentile rankings, Benintendi, that is, I mean, he's in the top percentages. He, he's he's in the they categorize him as great in terms of, uh, by the way, Pete Alonso just hit a home run to left field, two-run home run, and the Mets just took the lead over the Dodgers, 5-4. 5-4 New York Mets, top of the third, one out. The home run was 401 feet to left field. Nice. Mets take the lead, 5-4. But again, back to Benintendi. He is in the top of the league in, in many, many defensive metrics. Guy has a He's a left-handed bat, and guess what? His spray chart, oh, he hits the ball all over the field. Yes. Ultimately, is Joey Gallo on this team at the trade deadline? No. I don't think he is. Is is Aaron Hicks on this team at the trade deadline? Yeah. I think for the fact that he's making too much money, he's going to have to be. And is Miguel Andujar on this, this Yankee team at the trade deadline? He'll be at the minor leagues. That's it. And maybe when rosters expand, maybe they'll bring him up. Maybe when they get to the postseason. Matt at the Jersey Shore. You're up next on The Fan. Hello, hostess with the mostest. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you? I'm good. So I have a cold point, but first I want to weigh in on this. Um, <laughs> I was at the game Thursday night with Tyone um, flirting with the Perfecto. Listen, I'm, I'm not trying to say a lot of stuff that hasn't already been said. Hicks, Gallo, and obvious other ones are black holes for this for the production did i want mickey to stick around absolutely i wanted i think i thought he did enough to stay up here but when it comes to what they should do it really just goes back to what i feel like is what, what it points to and that is they just do not care about winning at all costs over the bottom line because if they did i feel like they would just eat Gallo and Hicks's contract and say and be done with it because they're just not pulling their weight and they're and but but the, Matt, the hitting, they're not eating right. anybody's contracts. They're just not. They just can't. Uh, Daniel, it's I not get that it, easy. The, the hitting and the pitching have been stellar. Like they're they've gotten hitting contributions from guys that have basically allowed for guys like Hicks and Gallo and others. To, to basically be here and do nothing, but it's going to cost them sooner or later. You know? Like, they're not going to be riding high as much as they are right now if, if this continues. They need they need to do to, to plug holes, not necessarily with a Benintendi, but at least people that can can not can, can hit above their weight. But, Matt, you know? your, your point of view includes the Yankees eating the contracts of two starting players. It could stop right there. This Yankees team, this owner, it's not going to do it. That's it. Period. Right. I, I I get it. I accept it. I'm not happy about it, but I accept it. Anyway, um, I just want to make a quick point um, about Cole. As much as he is our eighth, I don't know if you're watching the day he pitched, but just like every other start where he seems to have some kind of thing happen that wasn't part of his planning, he went into that dugout after – um, DJ LeMay, you couldn't make that play to end his perfecto and pouted 
and and moped like a baby. Yeah, well, and, and, and you know things like that affect him, and he can't not do it because you saw the, the opening day catastrophe. We're talking about makeup to play in New York City. You, you can't be doing that here. You know, good for you for picking up on that, Matt. Yeah, it, it was just it's very concerning because, you know, we're, we're playing the Angels, we're playing the Tigers. We're, he's not here to, to, to beat the Angels and the Tigers. He's here to beat teams that are going to keep us from winning a world or trying to keep us from winning a World Series. And if you're going to be so insecure and so, you know, thin-skinned over minuscule things like that, we've got a real problem. And Matt Blake or a therapist or someone needs to get to the bottom of what's, what's eating him. Uh, you're right about that. Yeah, and they have sports psychologists all over the place. Uh, and uh, sort of like a new hot hip thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm talking with people on Twitter, too, and I'm, I got the Met game on in the studio, and Mike F. said that all, all Andujar did was ask to be traded. I don't remember him complaining about it in the press. He always has gone down and worked and prepared to come back up. I expect he'll do it again. Then I, So I'm type, in the middle of typing, if it wasn't in the press, then how do we know about it? No. And he will come back because he has options. Yeah, that's how it works. That's how this thing works. <laughs> Yo. Uh, uh, Tom in, in Cornwall. Tom, is that Connecticut? No, actually it's in Cornwall. It's right by West Point in New York. Oh, it's a city. Oh, oh, oh. sorry. Yeah, yeah, a small city on the Hudson River. Gotcha. How you doing tonight? Well, I didn't think we were going to spend the first hour and a half talking about a minor league player in the Yankee system, but here we are. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I so I was reluctant. I'm over driving to get my daughter from the train. So I have a couple of minutes, and I'm thinking, don't talk about Hicks. <laughs> don't talk about Gallo. And then as I got on, I told the screener, I'm going to talk about Hicks and Gallo. So, <laughs> I, you know, I just, I'm a lifelong Yankee fan. Um, you know, I, I coach baseball, and I kind of look at the little stuff like the guy that just called before. I thought was right on like you, to your point before of like they can hide some of these holes in the lineup mm-hmm. but I don't know what they're doing and how they're doing it is not necessarily sustainable right I mean we all know about baseball and the law of averages and they're pitching great and as a Yankee fan you got to be so excited right um but I do right. pay attention to the you know second and third no outs and and you know Gallo striking out and my point is this and and I and I like what you're saying about the defense and the gold glove but if he's struggling and, and, and he's going to be a team player, be part of a team, and we have to have this contract, and, and even with Hicks too, um, then they need to change offensively. If you have the whole left side of the infield, yes. you can put down a bunt. Yes. Hicks did it in the beginning of the year. If you remember in the beginning of the year he was leading off, I do. he was bunting for I a hit. Yep. You know, so yep. I, I think in order for them to fit, they have to change because they can't exist based on how we are built as a team. We're built to hit home runs, and I don't love that necessarily, but they don't fit that mold. So I think in order for that to work, they have to change a little bit offensively. I agree with you. you know, they have yes. to do a better job of yes. getting on base and stuff. But um, and, and I just say, I'm sorry, and just for the, the point of the Yankees' uh, farm system, I don't necessarily think it's great. I think there's going to be a struggle in the next couple of years in that they constantly are getting veterans and plugging veterans and plugging veterans. And you don't see a lot of, like these other teams, these other young teams, they're, if you look at their, their baseball cards, they're not spending a lot of time in the minor leagues with their better players, especially their pitchers. 
And they're developing players, and they're bringing up and fast-tracking kids who are learning on the job. And I, and I get that the Yankees won't do that because it's the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they are basically a business where they're okay with – I think they would be okay with making the playoffs of the year, going deep in the playoffs, and losing and saying, oh, well, we had a good season. You know, and I, I just – I get frustrated because I don't see – you know, I'd like to see Floreal get some time. You know, let him hit 140 for two or three weeks. I mean, I mean Gallo's doing it. We oh, seem man. to be okay with that. Tom, so. oh, there's, oh, don't even bring Floreal into this mix here, Tom. There's just uh, there's just no room for him. There, if there's no room for Miguel Andujar, there's no room for Esteban Floreal. And, and what's his name? Aaron Boone said it after the game. He, and, and the quote was something along, oh, here it is. It's just a tough numbers game in regards to Andujar, which sucks. It sucks. But it's the reality right now. He just has to deal with it. He has to deal with it. That's it. Done. Uh, Steve in Long Island. Go ahead. You're on the fan. Hey, how you doing? I'm um, great. How are you? I'm doing well. So, so it's obviously clear that the Yankees are not going to shed the salaries of Hicks and Gallo. Right. But what if they took the approach the Red Sox took and attached a prospect to take that bad contract with one of those two players? So the Red Sox were able to get rid of the Adrian Gonzalez and the Carl Crawford mm-hmm. because they attached a better player to it. Sure. Would there be a team that would take Hicks if the Yankees were willing to give up, let's say, Peraza to take Hicks's contract along with it? I think that might be the creative way to get him off the team because his salary's not that outrageous. $30.5 million dollars remaining, but I do love the idea. I love the idea. I just don't know which team would go for it. I, but, Steve, I, I, it's a great, it's a wonderful idea. Yes, attach a prospect like a Peraza, because guess what? You also have a Volpe. You have two shortstops. Trade one of them. I think Volpe exactly. is the better that's one why... of the two, and, and I and I like it, Steve. I, that's a very creative solution. Do we, this is a solution-based show, and that is a very creative solution to get around that. Yeah, I like it. And, and we know Cashman's a smart guy, and I'm sure he's thought of every route possible to do something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, and I agree with you, Gallo will not be on the team come the All-Star break. Right. But if they will attach Peraza because we have Volpe, I would imagine a team would be willing to take Hicks if we gave them Peraza because we have Volpe. Yeah. Thank you for taking yeah, my call. Steve, that's not a bad idea. It just depends on, you know, obviously it takes two to tango. So you got to be figuring whatever team X, whatever that team is, to give up a Peraza, you got to get something pretty good in return. Because Peraza is like, last I checked, he's what is the number seven uh, prospect in all of baseball? No, that's Volpe, I think. I got to look at that on the break. He's up at the top. He's within the top. I think it's 15. Off the top of my head, I looked a few months ago. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he is a top prospect He's in, in Major League Baseball. So you'd have to get something really good in return. But I think I think now we're getting somewhere. I think that is a good strategy. Uh, Tim in Rockville Center, you're up next on the fan. Hi, Danielle. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. Uh, I wanted to first, I want to agree with, uh, I think it was Tom. He said a lot of really good things. Uh, one of the things he said he talked about how, like, the Yankees have brought in a lot of ver- veterans, like, kind of just to plug in pieces. And I think it kind of has hurt the Yankees a little bit. 
I know obviously they're winning now, so no one's going to complain about it. But if you really think about it, I mean, there are probably a few of these guys that are close to ready for the for the big leagues, if not definitely ready, and they're they have their spot taken by some thirty year old, mm-hmm. or you know, like I mean, like think of Donaldson, think of that spot could be taken by a Volpe right now. You know what I mean? Or Argio Urshela, I mean, how's that? Right, yeah, even him. I mean, I think that sh- the whole trade when that went down, when when you know, I, I obviously I think IKF has been really good for the Yankees, but he's a roster spot that you know the Yankees could bring someone up to develop. You know, uh, I that, don't. I, that's how I kind of look at it. Yeah, Tim, and, and and I get it, but I don't think the Yankees are right now in the in the development sort of stage here. I just don't. They're winning. They're rolling. And unfortunately, sometimes that's how the cookie crumbles. So, uh, yeah, let's do some more Yankees. Um, I I also have a problem with the way in which the lineup is constructed, so maybe we can get into that. Uh, Of course, uh, the Rangers. Uh, How many hours are we away? Uh, 12 to 15 hours? 14 hours away from from hopefully taking Game 3 from the Tampa Bay Lightning? We'll get to both of those things, of course, and your phone calls coming up next here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Eduardo Escobar just rounded the bases as we were coming back from break with a solo home run. It is now 6-4 New York Mets over the Los Angeles Dodgers out there at Dodger Stadium. The home run went to left field, almost in the same exact spot as Pete Alonso's. So 6-4 New York Mets, top of the fourth. I'll keep one eyeball on this as we proceed throughout the rest of the night. They've knocked the starting pitcher out, so that's good. Walker is out of the game. It's the top of the fourth. Ooh, I thought that was gone, too. Plummer just flat out to left field. All right, so, yes, this Yankee team is winning. Yes, this Yankee team is off to a historic start. But the way that this team has the batting order set, I am not loving it. In particular, where Aaron Judge is hitting... In the lineup. The fact that he's been starting in center field too, that's another thing. We already talked about that a little bit tonight. But in my opinion, him playing center field, especially on a consistent basis, is not conducive to sustained success in the postseason for this team. I mean, hopefully he even gets there at this point. Put him back where he belongs in right field. So what this lineup boils down to is this. And I know it's hard to see right now here on June 4th. And it's hard to realize with all of the wins that have been stacking up now here on June 4th. But I don't like Aaron Judge batting second. I also don't like him batting leadoff where he was today for only the fourth time in his career. You know, last week I got mansplained by a caller when... I said that, and just in passing, in response to another caller, he 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 felt the need and called to call up and and tell me that well, you know, the, the reason why Aaron Judge is hitting in second or 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 first is is because he gets the most at bats in those positions. Duh! You don't have to explain that to me. I literally fill up lineup cards as a coach in my third job. The problem occurs for me when I see Aaron Judge's name at the top of the home run leaderboard, literally number one in the league, and then I have to slide my finger down 
to see where he is in the RBI category, and he's tied for fifth. Well, actually, he's now sixth because Trey Turner had had a couple RBIs tonight, I believe, on the RBI leaderboard. You know, I, I did a little little searching around too. Jose Ramirez, when I looked around, I don't know, five o'clock today, led the league in RBI, and he has a little over half of the number of home runs that Judge has. You know, he's sharpied into the third hole in that Cleveland lineup. Sharpied. Pete Alonso, second in the league in RBI. He has two-thirds, including tonight, of the home runs that Aaron Judge has. He is sharpied into fourth in the Mets lineup. You know what that tells me? That the Yankees and their computer models and their binary code and their robots are underutilizing one of, if not the, best marquee power hitters in the league. Aaron Judge has 21 home runs, including one walk-off. Of those 21 home runs, 16 of them are solo home runs. And he's only got 42 RBI to show for it. By the way, the walk-off home run, May 10th, it was a three-run home run. 21 home runs for Judge. 16 of them are solo. I'm tired of seeing it. You know, the Yankees, are, when I checked around 5 o'clock, they're ranked fifth in runs scored per game. The Dodgers are first. The Mets are third. And guess who? Uh, which two names are, are there above Judges in RBI, but below him in home run to- totals of those two teams? Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor. That tells me that this Yankees team, by batting Aaron Judge typically second in the lineup, are theoretically leaving too many runs off the board. And like I said, it's easy to see Aaron Judge's name atop the home run race, feel real satisfied because, you know, the wins have been stacking up. But I want you to think of me in a postseason when he, the most dangerous Yankees hitter, Steps to the plate with no runners on and potentially the Yankees down by, let's say, two. What kind of hero can he be in that situation? What kind of hero do the computer models disallow him to be then? Judge is on pace for 63 home runs this season. 63 home runs and just 126 RBI with that. What a shame. I I hope that they can figure it out sooner rather than later. What they need to do is slide him down to probably three is where I would put him. Four, I think, might be a little too far down. But definitely three. So that they can maximize his potential. Because they are not doing it right now. They are not. And and after the game today, Aaron Boone said with, with with a little grin, he said, so he's added an elite off homer to his resume now. As I watched him launch that home run in that first inning to make the score one nothing, all I could do was shake my head and wonder, not just about the impact on this game, but future games, if there are actually runners on base, what kind of damage Aaron Judge can do. Unleash Aaron Judge, drop him in the order to, to third. Get him out of the one hole for sure, and get him out of the two hole. I'm tired of seeing Aaron Judge hitting solo home runs. 21 home runs, 16 of them are solo shots. Enough already. Douglas in the Bronx, you're up on the fan. Hello, Danielle. How are you? Uh, 
Hi, I'm doing well. It's like the Yankees are trolling you because you said this the last show, and he they moved him up. Mm-hmm. To the <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. Nuts. And it's so maddening with Andahar. The Yankees have the best record in baseball. Why would you get off the gravy train? <laughs> right. And, 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 and baseball season is long. It's a marathon. There's going to be another shot that he would get brought back up again yes. at some point. I mean, it just it just so happens that way. So he'll get called up. Uh, and um, on June 4th, I just do nothing. Uh, just business as usual. Santin um, had to come back up. And if you know, some injury comes around, then Andohar, then he'll get his ch- shot again. But uh, um, That's you it. don't have to do anything. Right, yeah. Uh, um, still have long ways to go in order to, for important decisions to get made. But um, So on to the hockey rangers. Uh, so yesterday, before game two, I, I tuned into SportsCenter, and some uh their hockey experts were proclaiming that the last three years, Tampa is 17-0 and uh, in playoff game, in playoff games after a loss. So yep. they predicted one one. Wrong. <laughs> so I, right there was this, yeah. So then I also read this item on um, the coach Gallant. He uh, he spoke to the Post and he said that he also read that stat. And he, oh, I love this response. He goes, uh, "Those seventeen games weren't against us. I mean that they played other teams. We're just gonna we're just gonna have to get ready for yeah, game two. I like all. that. I love that approach. And I think in as young a team as they are, um, I guess it's the one positive aspect uh, in a, with these playoffs is they're not affected by these ghosts like any of these these extraordinary feats yep. that uh, Carolina did at home this postseason. Now with Tampa, oh, forgive me, uh, they won all these playoff games after loss as well. Mm-hmm. That was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did against Pittsburgh. So I got a great feeling. Uh, I mean, me wanting to uh, a stress, I want a stress free uh, week here. I, I want to sweep, but uh, I know I'm greedy, and that's yeah. Upset, I, listen, but. I think that Tampa's going to go home, feel a little bit re energized by the crowd uh, on Sunday. I hope that the Rangers can steal that game. I'm not optimistic that they will take that game. I think game two in Tampa, I think will be theirs, but wait, we'll see. I, I, I'd love to be wrong in these scenarios. So after Thursday. Game one, what we saw in San Francisco on Thursday night. What is your outlook moving forward of Warriors Celtics? Do you think it's going to uh, cont- be a long series? Uh, you think uh, Warriors come back tomorrow night? I was asked by a bunch of kids in school at lunchtime because I have cafeteria duty, whatever lunch duty, whatever. Uh, they said, "Who do you think is going to win the series?" I said, "The Celtics," and they were like, "What?" Uh, I just think the Celtics have played just stifling defense. I'm I'm picking Celtics in six. So they would win at home. Okay. I mean, their defense was non-existent on Thursday, and yet they still won. And Tatum didn't do anything either. So And yet they, they still came out victorious. I would say, um, you know, Warriors, I'm, hmm, I mean, li- likely teams like those, come back in a game two and they did pretty well the first three quarters and it's just that uh white and horford they were extraordinary uh, uh they did career like numbers so 
Douglas, listen, expected. if if you're the Nets, and thank you for the call there, if you're the Nets, you want to be able to say we got bounced in the postseason, in the playoffs, by the eventual champion. I know you don't want to lose at all ever, right? You know, what would you rather lose to, the team that wins the the, the championship or the team that doesn't, right? You, I know you don't want to win it. I know you don't want to lose at all, but you gotta. There's a little bit more something to saying, yeah, I, we actually ended up losing to the team who won it all. Um, and we'll take it from a Nets perspective there, not from you know from a from a Boston perspective there. Um, I got a tweet from <laughs> this is funny at Sugar Eight One Seven Shane said, Coach McCartan, you're another clown. <laughs> That's my word. You're taking my word there, Shane. You're another clown ripping Judge and the Yankees. Best team in baseball. Well, the Dodgers disagree with that. What do you want? Must be a Mets fan. Get a clue, please. Boone right now, manager of the year. <laughs> Shane, I'm going to write back to him. Clown tweet, brah. I guess you enjoy watching solo home runs from Aaron Judge. That's what I'm going to write him back. Let's go in the order that you called. Ben and Queens, you're up next on the fan. Morning, Coach. How are you? Um, well, well, close to morning. It's getting close to the regular time I usually call. But, um, wow, a lot of here to work with. Okay, first, what I think fans calling tonight are going through is Clint Frazier remorse. Mm. That's what they're going through. Falling oh, in love with the have, prospects. We have this great young prospect, da, 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 but there's no place to put him. There's no place to put him. And he's missed 288 days of baseball. Not calendar days, but all right. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, so that's what I think they're going through right now. Listen, this is simple, all right? You had to make a move. He has options to go down. You send them down. That's it. That's it. That's, that's, that's it. Until Gallo is off this team, you understand. Which he will right? be by the trade deadline market. Exactly. Understand. This ain't an all-star we're talking about here. This ain't a Yankee great where we have to deal with memories here. Yeah. Okay? This is just business. That's how you look at it. It's just business. Uh, secondly, going quickly through this, um, congratulations to Coco Golf. You tried your best, Yeah, but, but it's a learning step. And compared to two years ago, the, the, uh, this French was a great, Great moment in your career. Keep on building, kid. All right? As far as the Rangers go, hey, this is going exactly how I want. Put all the pressure on your family down there. <laughs> go like, we we got the 2-0 lead. They haven't been able to build momentum. If we could steal game three, the series is over. I hate saying yeah. it like that, mm-hmm. but if we, could, if we could steal game three, we could. Do I think it's going to happen? No, because I know the X Rangers down there, like Madonna, and they're they're not going to let that happen without a fight. <laughs> Absolutely not. We look if 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 I'm in the Ranger locker room tomorrow, I say we bear down, survive the first period. If we're not three old down in the first period, we're good. We've taken that hard punch. That's all the momentum and thing they were coming in with. Yeah. Now it's an even game going throughout. Mm-hmm. That's the simple put. Like I said, trying to look at it as rationally as possible. Now I'll put on the Ben and Queens hat and go something slightly uh, across from the norm. Thank you for the Indianapolis 500 thing today because I had to think about that because I remember, like, 
wait, someone did drink chocolate milk. Hold on a second. Yeah, that's amazing. You sent me the picture. You know, I'm I'm annoyed that they didn't uh, tell me that on the on the tour. I mean, I, I might have to write a strongly worded letter to them and, and correct them because you you had photo proof. Yeah, I was like, wait, hold it, because if you put in Indy 500 winner and chocolate milk in Google. <laughs> Juan Pablo Montoya from 2015, his picture is the first thing to come up when you go to images. And that isn't clear white milk. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, just saying. That, that's why I love this. You make my brain work. And finally, on the peacock point, again, I have no skin on this game because I'm an English Premier Soccer fan, so I had to get peacock to see English soccer. Uh-huh. When, when the season's on. So I had to. I was forced to do it. The problem here is, right, people need to learn from the NFL uh, example where you can't have one team be on all these different stations within a month's time. How about, how about if, one single weekend's time? Apple TV Friday, <laughs> Yes Network Saturday, and Peacock on Sunday. I can't keep track. And keep in mind... This is the same league that constantly complains about we need to up our fan base. We need to get more fans in. But how is getting more fans in when, A, you don't go three, four days ahead of time telling folks that where where the game is in their local markets at least, and, B, you put announcers on these games that don't know the team. Uh, It's happened with Amazon Prime. It's happened with Apple Plus. I got to see who the Peacock team is. When I've seen the Yankees on these alternate locations, yeah, announce it's on the team. Yeah, it's it's and, it's, and you go nuts. It's frustrating. But coach, thank you for the time. Yeah, thanks there, Ben. It's frustrating for sure. All right, we got to hit a quick, quick, quick break here. Um, listen, everything's on the table. We'll talk. Aaron Judge should not be hitting first or second in the lineup. Absolutely not. Miguel Andujar. Out of the three, he's the guy with the option to the minor league. That's just how it cookie. Uh, Bruce Almighty, you know the saying at the end? That's just how the cookie crumbles. And, of course, the Mets are leading the Dodgers. The bottom of the fourth out there in L.A. right now live. The score is 6-4 New York Mets. Peterson is still on the mound. He's at 88 pitches. I'm Daniel McCartan. We'll be right back here on The Fan in New York City. Welcome back to McCartan before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. As we careen towards midnight, the New York Mets are still leading the Los Angeles Dodgers out there in L.A. Uh, But it's been all dominated pretty much by the Yankees talk uh, so far tonight for the first two hours at least. Though, my opinion that Aaron Judge should be dropped in the lineup is further, um, what's the word, further backed, I can't think of a better word, but further backed by the the fact that of his, 20, his league-leading 21 home runs, 16 of them are solo home runs. Uh, to me, that's just completely unacceptable. The Yankees' computer system has completely failed Aaron Judge in that sense. And Aaron, and Aaron Boone sort of kind of grinned and made a joke out of him hitting a leadoff home run today to, you know, to open the entire game. And uh, with obviously no one on base because Aaron Judge was batting first for the fourth time in his career. Uh, I didn't think it was too funny. I just kind of was just shaking my head like, man, imagine if there were two guys on base. Imagine if he was batting third and there were two guys on base at this point. And you know what? Miguel Andujar, 
You got to feel for him. So one of the tweets came through and said, yeah, but he's done everything that the Yankees have asked. Uh, you know, they moved, he moved him from third base to left field and he did it and all that, right? Yeah, well, I'm pretty flexible too in, in what I get asked. And sometimes I'm learning. You just kind of have to, have to just make the best of your situation. And that's what we're doing here tonight, making the best of the situation. Proving every day that, you know, you, you you deserve a spot. You deserve a shot. Every day. You don't complain about it. You don't request a trade. You do the best you can and you wait for the next opportunity. And unfortunately for Miguel Andujar, he, he, out of the three that we've been talking about tonight, Hicks, Gallo, and him, he's the only one with a minor league option. Otherwise, in this rigmarole way, the Yankees would have to DFA both... Hicks, Gallo, or one or the other of them, then they have to clear waivers, and it's a whole big process. And and in the end, the Yankees end up getting literally nothing for either of them. And of course, there's millions of dollars involved. Between the two of them, the remaining on their contracts, it's $40.5 million. That's a lot of money. So hang tight, Miguel Andujar. Do the best you can. Work on your craft in left field defensively. And, and and do the best you can. Rosters will eventually expand. The trade deadline hasn't been here yet. See, I think it's a, it's an emotional reaction to, to, to all of this, right? Joey Gallo will not be on this team come the trade deadline. Unfortunately, Aaron Hicks will, will be because unless you can find some team, and I like what the caller suggested before, pair him and a prospect, and hopefully someone will take him, Hicks, and, and the dollar amounts off his hands, off the Yankees' hands, but you know it's that's a far that's a far thing, a far fetched sort of kind of thing, I think. So Gallo will be gone at the deadline. Hicks will will unfortunately still be around, and that is the bat that the Yankees lineup will be able to absorb. And that's what I said before. In the postseason, they will not be able to absorb both Hicks and Gallo in the same lineup. It's one or the other, one or the other. Kevin and Camden, you're up on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Just uh, elaborate a little bit on that. The, the guy on Twitter was said Aaron Boone, manager of the year. This is the guy who, like you just said, that's Judge second. But this is also the guy who, for a long stretch, I think was it last year or the year before, I forget. But Aaron Hicks was batting third. And he wasn't producing. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, Boone's decisions, and, I, and I'm not trying to rip him. They're really, some some of them, not all of them, but some of them are really head scratches. There's been a lot of games, there's been a lot of games over the years where, and I could, I could name a few decisions. The one decision in the play, uh, pitching Ford for Frazier and the, I mean, I'm just saying, there's a lot of decisions that Boone makes that I'm like, Well, you nah. know, Kevin, you know, it's not just him. It's, it's the scouts. It's yeah. the analytics department. Everybody's got to say. No, I agree. It's just, it's just the, 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 you know, and Judge needs to get out of the second hole. I'm sorry. Like you just said, solo home runs mean nothing. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, you know, you hit a solo home run. Nobody's on base. So you're like, okay. And then when you get pitchers, most likely to get the next three outs. Like, it's, solo home runs are not a a big help. They are, for me, they were like a rally killer. Because you could be hitting great, and then a solo home run, pitcher just automatically rebounds and gets the outs. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. It's just very underwhelming to see the best 
power hitter in the game, arguably, but I think so. Uh, hitting yep. hitting uh, one run home runs. I yeah, mean, I, it's, I agree it's frustrating. And real quick about the New York Rangers, I got to say, uh, you might have started a trend with the uh, Rocky music. Because <laughs> I tell you, the the um, I listened to it before Game Seven. They won. I listened to it before Game One. They won. Mm-hmm. I listened to it before Game Two. They won. So like I'm, I'm just following your lead. I'm going to listen to that Rocky song every game. Let's do it for the Rangers. You know, it, I think it's a lucky trend because we they're three and zero with it. Hey, listen, so just, Kevin. I think you should keep that going. How about this? How about coming out of this next break? I got the Rocky theme song for you. How's that? That's that's perfect. <laughs> and I do got to say, uh, Chris Carter, you proved me wrong. You proved you wrong. He stepped up big. I am proud of him. He stepped up big. Panarin stepped. I mean, this team. It's, it seems like. Really, I mean, I'm really impressed. Now they need to step it up on the road, because I, I mean they play better at home, obviously. Yeah. But they need to really step it up. If they could steal one in Tampa, I'm not saying two. I'm not saying sweet. Yep. One. I know that Tampa's very good. Just but one. Take one from Tampa, and then you're in a good spot. Yep. Totally that's agree with I you. Mean, that's what I'm hoping. Game three will be great, but I'm not betting on it because you got the fans that are going to rile them up. Yep. But at least try to take game four, and then you're in a good spot because you go home. And you try to close it out there. That's my prediction. And my prediction for the score, well, for tomorrow, I'm hoping it's a win. I'm going to say right now, 3-1 three, three, if they win, 4-3 four, four if they lose. Ooh. All That's right, Kevin. Tomorrow. All right. But now for game four, I, I will say if, they, if it gets to that, a three. I'll go 3-1 to one game four if they you know, should win that one. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk on Twitter there, Kevin. We'll, we've got the uh, we got a quick message. We got a Kevin Dexter uh, update, and we're coming back out with that Rocky music. We'll talk a little Rangers, and of course, you guys on hold that are talking about the Yankees. I get. McCartan at midnight here on the fan in New York City. As I sit here in my Henrik Lundqvist Blue Rangers jersey, I have to tell you this. The Carolina Hurricanes in their history are now 6-1 in Game 7s. The Carolina Hurricanes are now 9-1 all time when leading 3-2 in a best of 7 series. The Carolina Hurricanes are now 7-1 at home in this year's playoffs and now they're done. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning for the past two seasons that is had not lost two games in a row in the playoffs since April of 2019 that is until now this 2022 New York Rangers team of destiny rolled through. What nine game layoff rust what backup goaltender You know, the Rangers have tagged Andre Vasilevsky for nine goals on 62 shots so far this series. And that's an 855 save percentage, well below his career mark of 916, also well below his career playoff mark of 923. So I was well within reason when I texted my diehard Tampa Bay Lightning fan cousin this the other night. I said, well... I'm just wondering if you printed out your missing posters for Vazzy yet. He didn't answer me. Posters 
milk cartons, whatever. The Rangers have absolutely made Vasilevsky, who Igor Shosturkin still calls the best goalie in the world. Vasilevsky looks absolutely pedestrian by dominating their time in the offensive zone. The chance of Igor's better at the Garden. Yeah, those fans are right. Shesterkin has been better, including surviving a flurry of shots within the final seconds of Game 2 to secure that win. You know, also stepping up, Mika Zibanejad has scored six goals in seven games. In the last seven games. He has scored points in all seven of those games in the playoffs. It's the longest streak of his career. Saturday afternoon, Gerard Gallant said that Ryan Lindgren is, quote, pretty close to healthy now. Well, that spells some serious trouble for the Lightning. So, does the fact that this team is playing with the right mindset, uh, are, you, are you in doubt? Shouldn't be, because Adam Fox said, we're just trying to bring it day in, day out. The guys in that room believe in each other. I don't think the outside noise or any perceptions of our team really affects our mindset going into the games. And did you see that the Stanley Cup was here in the studio with Boomer and Carton on Thursday? Uh, Boomer and Geo, sorry. I would have loved to have seen that up close and personal. But I might get another chance. The Rangers are six wins away from hoisting it. Will they? Well, yes, they've got as good a chance as any with the way that they've been playing and seemingly improving every single game. And couple that with a nifty little fact from the ESPN broadcast that teams that have taken a 2-0 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals have gone on to win 93% of the time to make it to the Stanley Cup Final. Game 3, 3 p.m., guess what? I'll be on the air to talk with you after the game around, I get here at 7. So not long after the game, I'll be here, we'll break it all down. And the one thing that I would like to see cleaned up for tomorrow's game, the Ranger game, is the power play. It has been such a strength for this team. In game two, they were 0 for 4 on the power play. So that's going to be key for tomorrow's game, especially in Tampa Bay. And you know what? Actually, make that two things. Brian Dayball is 7-0 at Ranger playoff games. Get this guy in a flight to Tampa right now. And if you can't get to Tampa, you can also go to Sarasota, which is about an hour away. And uh, what's the other one? Sarasota, Tampa, and there's the other one. Fort Myers. You can go there, too. And Adam Onovino, by the way, is on the mound for the Mets. And if you're a Mets fan, you're probably a little bit worried. He's got a 3.86 ERA. Hasn't been too reliable. 6-4 New York Mets still lead. Aaron Judge is still batting too high in the lineup. And Miguel Andujar, unfortunately, was sent down to the minor leagues. He's the only guy... With options out of him, Gallo, and Hicks. So all of that. Take your pick. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan. And let's go to the phones at 877-337-6666. In the order that you called, Ray in Brooklyn. You're going to kick off the uh, the 12 a.m. hour. Go ahead. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, da- Danielle, you 1,000% inspired me to call in. I, I love mean, that. I can't be... No, definitely. I love it, too. I can't be more aligned with you on this Aaron Judge, uh, you know, dropping him in the in the lineup yeah. thing. I mean, I've been screaming about this mm-hmm. all 
season, and now even more, I'm literally screaming at my television yeah. when he's been batting leadoff. Like, I get that half the lineup was out, and maybe they felt, you know, uh, they needed to get, uh, you know, things going early mm-hmm. uh, to set a tone and stuff like that. However, everybody essentially is back. There's no reason for it. You said yourself, Danielle, he's on pace for 63 home runs yep. and 128 RBIs or whatever it is, so roughly 130. Could you imagine, Danielle, if they listened to us rather than these stupid metrics and computers? Mm-hmm. He would be on pace right now. Instead of those 16 solo home runs, that I don't even jump for joy because in the back of my mind, I'm like, it's stupid. This could be a grand slam occasion, oh, yeah. a three-run shot, oh, yeah. a two-run shot. So it's Instead of being on pace for 130 RBIs, the man could possibly be on pace for 170 or so RBIs. I don't know if they're doing it just to keep the RBIs down, so they because they know he's going to hit about 55, 60 home runs. Are they just trying to keep? Are they are they trying to keep a little bit of the money by keeping the RBIs down? They can't possibly be this stupid, can they? I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, well, first, well, here's here's the here's the theory, and and this is the Yankees' theory that having him at the top of the lineup gets him the most at bats, which is not false. But in a big game, you don't want. I don't, and I know you don't. You don't want Aaron Judge batting first or second. You want guys on base for him. Absolutely, and Danielle. Before you let uh, let me go, let me get this point in. Yeah, okay. It, it can get you 30 to 50 at-bats or whatever it is extra year. But isn't the point um, of the game to outscore the opposition? That, that's so right, though, right. Hitting, yeah, if he's hitting solos, home runs, how does that outweigh? Like, if he's batting third or fourth in the lineup and he's getting he's driving in so much more runs, you know, 30 to 50 more RBIs over the course of a season, that's going to get you more wins than him just showing his pretty little face as a leadoff batter or, you know, or batting second. And and none of these guys are getting on base. I love LeMahieu, but he's hitting about 240 or 250. Rizzo's hitting 214. Mm-hmm. The other thing the Yankees should do to protect Judge and get the most out of him and maximize him, possibly before he even leaves so we can get a championship out of him, is get him somebody like a Benintendi yeah. who's lefty. He hits about 300. He gets on base. He played in Boston. The, the, you know, the scene is not too big for him. And, and hit Judge third or fourth. Are you supposed to hit your best hitter third anyway? But, yeah, I just wanted to say I don't know how nobody sees it on this way, but just keep pushing that narrative because oh, somebody yeah. out there has to hear it. Like, mm-hmm. we can't be the only ones who, who see this. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. And, and thank you for taking the call. Yeah, right. Thanks for making it. Appreciate it. Ben Intendi, he, he would, at this point, on now it's June 5th, Ben Intendi would probably be my target number one if I were the Yankees. Left-handed bat, he's hitting 335 this season. His spray chart looks glorious. It goes from the left field line all the way to the right field line and everywhere in between. Ben Intendi. Oh, and by the way, he also plays left field, which we've been arguing about for the past two hours. Let's go to Chris in Woodbridge. You're up on the fan. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have to say that I'm super disappointed about the Andrew Hart thing because I see it as another stall where his career is going to just die on the Yankee, Yankee bench on the Yankee farm system. You know, people forget, and I've been a Yankee fan all my life, and I'm 76 years old, and people forget that Andujar, in that year where he 
arguably could have been, should have been a rookie of the year. I think and, at it, the time, I think he should have been, yes. He wasn't just a doubles machine. The man hit 27 home runs that year. They don't, they don't, nobody remembers that. He had 27 home runs that year. And he's a contact hitter. And I don't know why they even signed Gallo this year. I, I, I just saw well, the handwriting on the wall. This is not, I, I mean, here's a guy, what, what he's had, like five home runs mm-hmm. and seven RBI, something like that? Uh, yeah, I'm, what uh, five home runs clutch. for sure, yeah. That tells you what he does in the clutch. Nothing. Yeah, and, and Hicks, too. That's a problem. Yeah. Hicks it seems like he's lost a step out there. He seems hesitant in the outfield now. Yep. Um, so you know, there was a time when there was a no-brainer uh, uh, Hicks over Judge in center field. But now it's like, okay, maybe not. Because it seems like he's, he's hesitant coming in. and. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and listen, Chris, you're outlining it perfectly. The Yankees have big question marks in the outfield. And Duhar, by the way, don't forget, he had season-ending surgery, partial tear in the right shoulder labrum. I mean, these are some serious injuries after that 2018 season, after that season in which he should have been rookie of the year. He should not have finished second. I'm with you on that. He showed great promise. But since then, he's had how many surgeries? He's missed 288 days of baseball. Actually, in-season baseball, not calendar days. I mean, okay, what are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with this situation? You have to just let it play out as is right now on June 5th. Let's not panic. He has options. That's what they're there for. And you got you feel bad for him. You do. But feeling, I mean, it's a business. That's it. And someone tweeted me, oh, aren't the Yankees in the business of winning games? So you know what I sent them back? And you can tweet me, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. You know what I sent them back? A screenshot of Major League Baseball standings on June 5th. The Yankees are in first place in the league. In the entire league. So while they're trying to figure all this out, they're still winning games. See? Jeff in Manhattan, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Uh, first up, time, long time. Oh, thank you. I love that. Yeah, it's kind of an older thing, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I just, just wanted to talk about uh, Aaron Judge and how they utilize him. And uh, Sure. How uh, totally right, of course, about batting leadoff. You only bat leadoff once, right, in one game. <clears throat> and have, yeah. having him play in center field, obviously he's the best player. He's ready for a contract. Um if you look at Stanton's numbers from his like 60, you know, his league leading home runs, he had way more RBIs than uh, Judge would be too if he had the same uh, number of home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you look at him, you know, it's like he plays center field. Obviously, there's more usage there, and but it's not so bad because they're getting the most out of him, which isn't bad, but. It's not sustainable, Jeff. It's not sustainable. You're putting Aaron Judge in there in center field. uh, You know how many days in a row now? It's just not sustainable. This is a problem that's waiting to happen. I agree. I mean, like the argument for him was like, oh, he's injury prone. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, he's not injury prone. He had one year where he got hurt. The 2020 season didn't mean anything, and he's he's the guy. I mean, he's one of the best players in baseball. 
and you want to use him as much as you can, but you kind of want to preserve him at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, you're not so winning the World to... Series in June. <laughs> right, exactly. But, however, at the same time, you do want to win as many games as you can during that time. Because, you know, when you're one short game in September, yep. it, you could look back and be like, oh, hey, could have done this, could have done that. Yep. Um, I have some notes here. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's too analytic-driven, right? So you have him leading off, like I said. You lead off once, right? Um, and then the next at bat you're getting, you're getting seven, eight, nine. That's your leadoff, guys. When you're, uh, uh, you know, the next time you're, you're, you're getting at bat, it's a seven, eight, nine. So who, who was he trying to drive in? Um, him playing center field, that's a lot in his legs. And uh, I, I, I don't know, I, I guess they're trying to get more out of him than they did before. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, but... It, it, they're not going about yeah. it the right way there, Jeff. And I'm with you on that. Playing center field defensively for Aaron Judge is a no-no for me. Uh, once in a while, I guess I'd be okay with it. But on a more consistent basis is kind of what they're doing around the, around in the past couple of days. I'm not liking it, as for the reason that you mentioned. And as far as batting him second and now first, that, that caller before suggested that they did it in, in despite me. Maybe they moved him up despite me on a day that I'm going to be on the radio. Uh, leads leads the game off with a solo home run. I mean, come on. I'm shaking my head going, why couldn't there be any runners on base? Why couldn't there be any runners on base? So we've done a, uh, a changing of the guard. I forgot to mention it during the uh, the Rocky theme. And, Connor, if you're listening on your ride home, uh, thank you. You did a great job tonight. I didn't get a chance to tell you that. So maybe I might text you just in case you're not listening. <laughs> uh, but we've got uh, Sus in now. He's taking your calls at 877-337-6666. Connor's out. Sus is in through uh, – I'm here till 2. You're here till 6, I think, right? Yeah, he's here till 6. So he's got a Pete Hoffman coming up after me at 2. You're here for the next six hours till sunrise, Sus. All right, and for anybody following along with my softball team and how we did this season, I've got a quick update for you, and then we'll get right back to Miguel Andujar, um, Joey Gallo, uh, Aaron Hicks, Aaron Judge, and the Mets are still leading the Dodgers 6-4 to four out in L.A. So all of that, and the Rangers, of course. The Rangers, Game 3, uh, coming up in just a few hours. A few short hours. Can you, can, you, can you wait for it, Rangers fans? Can you just, just want to play the game now, don't you? I'm Danielle McCartan, coming back a little bit few minutes here on The Fan. Welcome into WFAN Radio here in New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan, and unfortunately for Miguel Andujar, that's just how it's going to be. For now, at least... Uh, the Mets, yeah, they're still leading the Dodgers mid-six, six-four. Uh, I got a good tweet from Shane. He said, at Sugar817, Shane, I've shouted him out uh, twice already tonight, so thank you for um, for sending this one in. He said, you need to tell us who's batting in front of Aaron Judge if you don't want him batting first or second. Uh, they're all strikeout homer guys, so it wouldn't matter. Well, here's the thing. Here's what I would do. If I'm the manager of the Yankees, I'm moving Aaron Judge down to third. And ahead of him, I like anybody like uh, like a DJ LeMahieu, like a Isaiah Connor falefa I'm moving him out of the seven hole, which he seems to be in the bottom third of the, the lineup often. Or uh, maybe a Torres. So take your pick. Any of those three I think would be great. And 
maybe I move Joey Gallo up and just, your assignment, buddy, is to bunt the ball. That's the assignment. But that probably wouldn't fly too well. So what I would do is I would do a, a LeMahieu one, Kiner Falefa two, or, or flip-flop them, uh, followed by a, a Judge three. Mm, that's That's not hard. That's what I would do. Um, and for my own softball team, I know some of you are invested in it because you've messaged me wanting to know about it. And so we we secured the number three seed in, in the playoffs, our season. And uh, yesterday, well, I guess Friday, I guess technically Friday afternoon, uh, we played our number, we played the, the number two seed, our number one rival, crosstown rival, basically. And we were, we were down two nothing early and I knew against that particular pitcher that we were going to have to manufacture some runs. And my team, we had only been mercied once so far this season, just one time. And it was against them about now 11 days ago. So when one of my fastest kids got on base in the second inning, we're down to nothing, followed by my number three batter, she got on base too. I called a double steal of second inning. And third, and it worked so well that there was actually an overthrow of third base. Didn't go too, too far, though. Both runs ended up scoring 2-2. You would have thought we won the freaking World Series. Everybody's jumping on each other, the whole thing. Anyway, there are kids that stepped up in, in ways that we've been working on all season. Like my catcher finally, like, cerebrally on a, on a drop third strike, she actually moved to the side and created a fantastic throwing lane through the kid out at first base. We've been working on that all season. So it, it was a really good game. It was just one of those back and forth and back and forth kind of games. And I'm very proud of my team and the fight and the resolve that they showed. But it was a long game. And I told you it was back and forth. We ended up losing the final score. I think it was 13 to 10. And going into that last inning, we were down by five. And again, my number three batter hit a two-run home run with only one out. And I'm standing there in the third base coach's box. And I'm thinking like, wow, we're going to score enough runs to win this game. And unfortunately, though, we just couldn't get it done. It was a great season. I'm very proud of them. I asked them if they all improved, and they all said yes. I think they did. And um, and in, I told you in the beginning of the season, I said, oh, okay, you know, who's your favorite baseball team? And out of all of the kids on my team— one kid raised her hand. She said, the Boston Red Sox. I said, you don't count. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I tease her all the time about the Red Sox. Um, but I, that's a problem, you know, where, where one kid, one kid watches baseball. So I challenged them to pick a team. And in our little huddle at the end, I said, oh, before you guys run out of here, I need to know who your team is. Who is your team? We had the Boston Red Sox girl. And then one girl said, does it have to be Yankees or Mets? I said, no. She goes, then the Chicago Cubs. And I was like, what? And then the rest of them were kind of split pretty much in half, Yankees and Mets. So uh, a good season. It was a successful season in, in my book, and um, I'm proud of the kids. They uh, they definitely improved, and they definitely found a, a baseball team to watch now. So I hope they're not up this late watching this Mets game as Jason Shreve enters for the Mets. Still ahead 6-4 on the Dodgers. All right, let's go back to the calls at 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. He's sus, and he's taking them. Uh, let's go in the order that you called. Al in Newark, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? I'm doing fine. How you doing? I'm all right. 
How about let's stop talking about Andrew and talk about trading Judge? What? Oh no! You're gonna he's gonna be a free agent. The Yankees are not gonna sign him for no five hundred million or six hundred million, which he's gonna command. I see him going actually to the Angels. In addition to all those contracts that they have on the books, is it gonna be a three man team? Not nine. Well, the Angels are on a ten-game losing streak. But how's the owner doing? The owner's got the money to spend. Even the Mets. Can you imagine Aaron Judge playing with the Mets? Now, now you're talking. If the Mets were, you know, if you, if the Yankees don't trade him because they're not going to trade him, first of all, if they let him walk, I think the Mets are the team that the Yankees need to be most worried about in, in terms of a bidding war for Aaron Judge's services. But, but what do you get if he leaves? Well, you get nothing. You get the chance at signing him again because you missed it the first time around. And if that's the case, if Aaron Judge leaves in free agency, Brian Cashman deserves to be fired on the spot. (laughs) On the spot. Like, don't come back. That's good. That would be the biggest blunder in Yankees history. We're going to talk to uh, Mark Feinstein, too, uh, in a little bit about Yankees history, and he just wrote a book. But, yeah. Yeah. But you got to remember, it's not Cashman that spends the money. It's uh, it's It's Steinbrenner's. Well, right, and and Hal needs to, to smarten up here and say, we cannot win a World Series without Aaron Judge. You messed up, Brian, and now you're causing me to pay more money for him, and you're fired. I mean, that's kind of how it goes. Wow, that'll be that'll be like bringing George Steinbrenner back. You would think. You would. I know a lot of Yankees fans, and I've already fielded one or two tonight, are, are hoping for that. Oh, it's it's beautiful you said that, but um, like I say, we got to speak about Aaron Judge. What's going to happen with him? Yep. What can you do to get something in return before he walks? Because, like you said, uh, playing center field is a no-no, or batting first is a no-no, because he should be the de- the uh, batting fourth or third, so he can have RBI. Yes. But I I played baseball in my time, but. Still, if you're not going to get nothing for him and he's not going to sign with you, then you're better off just trading him and getting The Yankees, out are not going to be trading. They're not tra- Let me ask you something. If they trade Aaron Judge at the de- trade deadline, are the Yankees winning the World Series this year? Yes. What? Not, not the World Series. They're not going to win the World Series with him anyway. See, that's where we disagree. One guy's not going to win the World Series. Have you seen what he's been able to do for this team? I've seen it, but he's batting leadoff. That's not going to help you. Well, okay, well, now we agree again. Hey, they should be moving him down the lineup. But, Al, you're not trading Aaron Judge this season. You're just not. I understand the thought process behind it. It's just not happening. It is just not happening. The guy is going to be the next Yankee captain, and they're going to pay top dollar for him. And for that, the blame is squarely on the shoulders of Brian Cashman. And if he does not return next year in pinstripes. That is grounds for dismissal of Brian Cashman. I said it. You mark it down. June uh, June 5th. Mike and Merrick, you're up next on the fam. Oh. Mike, you there? Danielle. What's up, Mike? I just wanted to pump up those major fans. Yeah, like last week. I know you called in last week, too. Yeah, they did call in last week. And, and they Danielle. won. I know they won, but Danielle, we're going sweep, sweep. We are 30 minutes away for 3-0 tomorrow. Well, I think it's more than 30, isn't it? 
you know, 30 minutes from now. 30 minutes or, from now makes it 1 a.m. 1 a.m. to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 3 o'clock Rangers in the afternoon. We're going to go with 3 and O undefeated, and we're going to chant E Core. E-core. E-core. How about Igor's better? Igor's better, and that's Mike. He's just trying to pump up the Rangers fan. So if you're a Rangers fan, go ahead and give me a call. Let's do it. Uh, let's go to Nelson in Far Rockaway. Not near Rockaway, you, Far Rockaway. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So I just had a question and a comment about the Yankees. Uh, my question first is, you know, I'm 28 years old, so I grew up watching all the 2000 Yankees, you know, post um, the three peat and all that. So I'm used to having great regular seasons and being really disappointed in, in October. Mm-hmm. So my question is, do you think this Yankee team is a uh, full gold in a sense? Because the bottom of the lineup really like gives me concerns. Mm-hmm. I know they've been able to get away with it now with the Trevinos and IKF, but come postseason, especially if Gallo is still there, do you think uh, this team can really win a world series? So two things that came into my mind. Um, that lineup has to be Hicks or Gallo, not both, first of all. And Gallo will be the one that will be I gone agree. at the deadline. That's that's a given, pretty much. And secondly, second thing, is that when I think postseason, I think starting pitching. And in years past, the Yankees starting pitching has not been great. Now, they are one of the best rotations in baseball. So, I think... This team looks a little bit different, not as as different as I'd like to at the plate, and especially at the with the approach. But the pitching has definitely improved. Um, Aaron Judge is having a season for the ages, and so um, yeah, I, I like their chances in the postseason this season if they can get one more bat, like a Benintendi sort of bat, left-handed, I, I agree. sprays the ball over the field. Yeah, and uh, just my kind of also, I think what the Yankees should do, well, uh, Cashman should do is. I understand the whole money situation with Gallo, but I think they should just tie the losses and see if they can trade uh, Miguel Andujar, uh, DSA Gallo, and even uh, Jason Dominguez to empty out the farm system this year because I honestly think this is the last chance to win a World Series with this group of guys. What do you think? Maybe a Benintendi? uh, You know, just I know it sounds desperate, but in the previous years, I remember in 2017, the Yankees had a chance at Verlander. And I remember Brian Cashman saying that he didn't really pursue it because he didn't feel like that was the uh, final piece. And I feel like he was very wrong on that. So this mm-hmm. might be the last chance, in my opinion. So I think this is this is where you empty out the farm system and really go for it if you're going to go for it. Uh, Nelson, for I, my yeah, I like, the, I like the sentiment, although, I mean, Judge is up in the air, sure. Uh, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Sus, do we have time for one more? All right, we will go all the way out to Puerto Rico and Pablito. You're up on the fan in New York City. Yes. How are you, Daniel? I'm good. How are you? Are you really in Puerto Rico? Yes. Oh, good. I'm, I'm from Puerto Rico. I am Puerto Rico, and I'm a big fan of you, and I'm a big fan of the radio station. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? I just I know you're calling now, I guess, internationally, you know, with ch- phone charges and stuff, so I didn't want to make you no, wait over the commercial. Want. It's free. It's free. Oh, but, it is free. Okay. And it's a long-distance call. <laughs> yes. I want to talk to you what you say about the constructing lineup. Yes. You show one more time, like um, uh, Mr. Aaron Boone don't know how to make a lineup. Mm. I want to tell you something. Tell me. Okay. 
Aaron Judge can hit first, second, or third. He can hit four, five, or six. Yeah. Like, like a... Another thing, Joey Gallo has to go. Either with one, one seventy, one fifty, he has to go. Asoka, he has to go. Your connection's not great, but he has to go. But my question, I guess, to you is, what are they going to get for him? <laughs> He's batting one, like as you like you just outlined. Well, what are they going to get for him? No, listen. If you don't hit two fifty in big league or two forty, you need to go, please. You need to go. You're killing the team. And the other thing is, the other thing is, why Aaron Judge is had to hit first? Why? I don't understand that. But if you're if two fifty is the benchmark for for who is a major league player. Well, yes, 250, 250, 237, 180, 170, 190. You need to move those guys. And Andujan don't need to pay the consequence. Andujan is a great player. You know why they did that? I'm sorry what I'm about to say. Because he's a Latino guy. He wasn't a white boy. You know, hold okay, on. so Pablito, this is going down a road again where I don't feel comfortable going. That's You can't. You can't accuse people of that. I'm sorry. I appreciate the call. You made some great points. And let's leave it at that. But if, if 250 is the benchmark of, of who's going to make the team and who's not, who deserves to be on the team, I mean, Glaber Torres is hitting 250. In your system, Josh Donaldson would be gone. Aaron Hicks would be gone. Anthony Rizzo would be gone. And Joey Gallo would be gone out of the starting ro- uh, you know starters out there. I mean, it, that's a little bit silly. But I do agree with you that Aaron Judge... Uh, should be moved down in the lineup. And again, it's not Aaron Boone that's making the decisions. It's not just him. It's the computers. It's the computer nerds. It's all that. It's it's a collaborative effort. The famous phrase. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I just don't think Aaron Judge batting first or second in this lineup does them well in any sort of postseason, you know, experience. Uh, and uh, sorry to cut you off there, but... Uh, Let's let's not go down that route again, shall we? And and by the way, I did get an apology, somewhat apology from Lou. He said, "Sorry, Coach, I was a bit rough, but Gallo, but Gallo is a disgrace." Okay, we're not just we're not just gonna go down that route for the sake of going down that route, Lou or Pablito, because this station has far reaches, and I don't want to have to ever defend myself against something. You understand what I'm saying? I'm a public school teacher by day and a coach by day. That's it. Period. Stop. Has nothing to do with race why the Yankees sent Antuhar down. You know, it's just, this is silly. That's a stupid argument. So let's not do that here on a sports station. Does everybody understand that? Thank you. So we'll continue with that uh, Andujar story, uh, which was broken during the broadcast today by... um, by Hector Gomez, confirmed by Ken Rosenthal. And uh, I think it'd be smart for the Yankees to move on from Andujar. Not right this second. Uh, because when you look at the the, the, the the landscape of this Yankees team and this outfield and the contracts and everything and all that, big picture, there's just not a spot for Andujar right now on this team. And if you're watching the Met game, talk about guys in left field that aren't accustomed to being in left field. Well, guess what? Jeff McNeil, who has been playing in excellent left field, and Eduardo Escobar just had a, a, a mix-up with the priority system. 
Escobar, the shortstop, was going backwards, tried to call off Jeff McNeil, and McNeil, knowing the priority system, didn't back off because it is his call to make. Luckily, McNeil ended up with the ball in his glove, but you Yankee fans want to see that happen in the postseason with Miguel Andujar in left field? Come on. Stop kidding yourselves. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 2 here on The Fan. McCartan after midnight here on The Fan in New York City. And during that commercial break, Peter Alonso just hit a, his second home run of the night. First one was to left field. Second one was to center field. And it was a three-run homer. Brandon Nemo scored. Starling Marte scored. And the Mets have completely... Oh, look at that. It was a Dodgers fan who caught it and gave it to a guy wearing a Brandon Nemo jersey in the outfield. How nice was that? The Mets have completely put themselves in the driver's seat tonight to win this game. Mets lead the Dodgers 9-4, to mid-7th. Peter Alonzo, Mr. Pete Alonzo, polar bear, five RBIs on the night. What a performance. That is stepping up for your team against a, a really good team, the best team in the NL, I'd say. And I know Mets fans that might... Rub you the wrong way. The Mets are probably second in the NL. They're looking at they, 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 if they win tonight, they'll split the series with the Dodgers. This tonight could very well be a preview of the National League Championship Series. And I like the Mets' chances in it. I hate to say it. They're doing this without Scherzer, without DeGrom. Cakewalk. Let's go back to the phone to 877-337-6666 down to St. Pete, Florida. David, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And, like, you know, two or three years ago, we could have traded Miguel and Duhar for, like, you know, a king's ransom. You know, he's been up and down. He had the surgery on his shoulder, you know, back and forth. And, like, I get it. He's got to work his way up. But, you know, if he's going to pull this baby stuff and say, hey, you know, I'm going to get, you know, requested to go down to AAA. I'm, uh, I'm just going to request a trade, act like a baby. I mean, come on. Are you even meant for, like, you know, the pinstripes in the Bronx? Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. You know, I I want to give him a chance. I, I, I understand it. You know, playing the big leagues is a job. You make the big bucks. You know, I I, I get it. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not in your shoes. But, like, I mean, if you're going to make that much money, I, I understand you want to re- request a trade. But, you know, in my opinion, you know, someone who bleeds blue, I mean, just, it's just, I get it. I don't like it. I don't get it, but just, just want to hear your opinion on that. Unfortunately, it's a numbers game, and right now he's the odd man out. I mean, there's only nine players that can play on the field at a time, and unfortunately, he's just the odd man out. It doesn't mean he'll never be back. The guy has options, plural. Rosters do expand come the fall. So, you know, 100%. You know, it's just everybody's making this out to be much to do about much ado about nothing, says Shakespeare. It, you know what? There you go. Tough. It's tough for now. You know, I, I don't think Gallo's going to be on this team come the trade deadline, and that opens up a spot even earlier than the fall. This is just everybody's having in this emotional reaction to Miguel Andujar being sent to AAA. I mean, come on. 
Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate it, and I, I really hope that's going into the, the era of um, Andujar. You know, I mean, I want him on the team. He's a purebred, pinstripe, you know, Joey Chestnuts has to get off the team. I mean, I understand it. You know, it, it was cool seeing him in spring training, but I'm like, bro, like, you can't hit nothing but, you know, a slow fastball. Get out of, you know, he's a far, get out of there, man. But he's a far he's superior left fielder than Miguel Andujar is. Do you want to see Miguel Andujar? Uh, You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, I, 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 I was there at the trough and I saw him, you know. I think I'd rather have Andujar than Gallo, 100%. I'm going to go Gallo over Andujar because I think and, – and, and I get and it, but there's just the, one more upside on that. But, David, with the stipulation that – I respect it. If I'm picking Gallo, I don't want Hicks in the lineup. And I know this is fantasy baseball here because it's not going to happen. Gallo will not be on this roster moving forward after the trade deadline. I get it. But I'm picking Gallo over Hicks over Andujar because this lineup could, could, could overcome – uh, his bat and his defense is far superior than the two of them. You're, you're, That's you're my thought process. I, you're not wrong. I mean, 100%. I, I rather have Gallo and Duhar over Hicks in the outfield defensive-wise. Hicks has to get the heck out of there. And, and in my opinion, I totally agree with you, Danielle. Gallo over Hicks defensively. Yeah, and, and David, the problem is, though, if for anybody listening, tuning in now, that the Yankees can't just rid themselves of Gallo and Hicks. They ju- they just can't. Between the two of them and the, the length of the remaining time on their contracts, it's worth of like $40.5 million or something like that. They're just going to eat $40.5 million? I mean, that's that's silly. That's never going to happen. <laughs> and if you gotta, you're going to trade them, you're going to try and trade them? Well, a caller before had a great suggestion. Gallo's worth nothing. Hicks is worth even less because the dollar amounts that he's owed – so what do you do? Maybe you package him with a with a prospect, and you say, "Hey, if you could take this off our books, and we'll give you this guy." And the caller brought up Peraza. I don't think it's a bad idea. You see which team can can bite for something like that. But but right now, if you're trying to trade Gallo right now, there's probably no market for him. There's less of a market for Hicks, and you can't just snap your fingers and they're going to be gone. It just it just doesn't happen like that. To Bob in Clinton, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hi, Danielle. How are you doing tonight? Great. How are you? Good. You had called out for some Ranger fans. Let's do it. Yankees and Mets. But I'm okay. I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> <laughs> no quit Any, in New York. No quit okay. in New York, Bob. I was. A, I think I was the first one to buy that T-shirt. In <laughs> the third game of the Penguins and... I was at the Garden. I'm a uh, season ticket holder there and absolutely thrilled with what's going on. So uh, yep. I figured, let me call you and get your predictions for this round, and what do you think? Are we going, or what do you think? I think I think the Rangers are going. Me too. Me too. I can feel it. Yeah, I can feel it in the crowd. You look at the players. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I don't know if they sweep. I heard the other call. No, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to sweep it either. No. Nah, I think it's like, uh, I think lightning win two. What do you think? Yeah, I I think the same thing. Yeah, I I do think the same thing. I think maybe the lightning take, oh, I don't know. I'd say two. Yeah. And and the the thing about this team is, it's like, Bob, they keep getting 
it feels like they keep getting better every game, every series. It's a different guy. It's Zibanejad one game. It's Philip Hedl another game. I mean, obviously, uh, Shusterkin is is you know the best goalie oh in in, the in best. hockey right now. But it's like every game, it Kapokako stepping up. It's like it's, it's a different guy every game. I mean, uh, you know, can you believe that he got pulled in the Penguin game for? Th- was that unbelievable? Yeah. Look at the way the guy came back. Yep. The guy came back. He is absolutely the best goalie in the NHL right now. Not even close. Yep. The other guy is not even close to him right now. Yep. So um, I just, uh, I just hope they don't get worn out. I'm, and the other thing I hope I've, <laughs> I've got tickets to Game Seven. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, oh, do I go? It's back at MSG. Doesn't oh. go that far. But you just told me two games, so. I, I think I'm set for the future here. So we'll I, see. yeah, I, I, well, you know what? If you go to Game Seven, or even the, leading up to Game Seven, I'll be back next weekend. I'll be back tomorrow, but I'll be back next weekend as well. I hope you give me a call then too, next Saturday night, same time. I will give you a call next Saturday night, and I will uh, be in touch. All right, all nice right, talking Bob. To you. LGR, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. All right, uh, Larry in Florida, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Daniel, I just want to talk about Andujar. I mean, I know he requested a trade or whatnot, but, I mean, come on. Like, just because he requests a trade doesn't mean we're going to trade him right away. That's right. There's going to be a spot for him, like you said. I mean, I don't think Gallo's here after the trade deadline. Right. And, you know, I, you know, to, for the postseason run, he's going to be a part of this thing. And, you know, yeah, Hicks and Gallo have been struggling, but, you know, his bat's going to show, I think, down the line. And, you know, we're, we're going to need – you know, some trade pieces when we go to, you know, bolster the bullpen for to make this, this run, you know. So I, I just don't understand why, you know, people think, oh, he requested a trade and he's going to be traded the next day. It right. doesn't work like that. It's not the NBA, know? right? That's right. You know, <laughs> I mean, hey, he's got to stick it out, and he's been a, a, a part of this from the beginning. So, you know, he, he's going to be there. You know, he's you know it's, it's tough for him because, you know, he has – He's actually impressed me. I thought he played a better left field recently than he did, you know, when he came up, you know, a year or two Agreed. ago. Agreed. You know, trying to play left field. He's, he's definitely improved. So I think maybe some more time in Triple A at Scranton may actually help him out and get him ready for this postseason run because, you know, right now Yankees, you know, pitching and everything is covering up, you know, the fact that Hicks and Gallo have done absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So you And know, it helps that can... Aaron Judge is leading the league in home runs too. Absolutely, you know, and the and then hit, you know, and and uh, Rizzo and the pitching has just been unbelievable. So I mean, with all that, it's kind of covered up the fact that you know, yeah, Hicks and Gallo have, have done absolutely nothing. So if we can get past that towards this postseason run, if you can just stick it out a little bit more, I, I know it sucks for him, but hey, this is what it is. You, hey, you know, you're part of the Yankees. That's you right. Know? That's it, and it's a crowded outfield, Larry. That's a great call there. Thank you for that, and it made me think of uh, sometimes. When I was coaching, when I was coaching JV volleyball, um, I would have this discussion often with the varsity coach, and and he would say, and I would say, hey, I, I want to bring up this kid. I want to take her off the freshman team, and I want I want to put her on my team. She could benefit by being on my team. And he said, Danielle, you could do whatever you want, but you are not bringing that kid up to sit on the bench. She is getting no better on the bench. I want her playing freshman if that's the case, and that's kind of. The same situation with Andujar. Why keep him up there? He's going to be sitting on the bench. Might as well send him to AAA, work on, hone his skills, work on his skills, and be ready. Always be ready. And that's kind of what that call reminded me of. So uh, I, I like that. All right, we got a quick break. No break. We don't. 
All right, we're going to keep going through then. That's different from all the other hours there, sus. He's, he's giving me the I don't know. All right, that's okay. All right, that's all right. All right, let's go to another call then. We can do that. Let's go Mark in Milltown, New Jersey. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Coach, what's happening? Hey, what's up, Mark? I met you at the uh, Falcons-Giants game last year. We were both talking to the bad guy. Oh, that was Falcons. That was the Falcons game. Yeah, yeah, the guy with the bag on his head. I remember that. Drug. Yeah, right at right in that uh, in the um, in the hallway there. I can't think of the word. Uh, the yeah, con- yeah, yeah. The concourse. Yep. Yeah. But, what, uh, nice what, what, what do you think of the Giants prospects this year? Oh, Giants football. Uh, you mean the draft? How they did in the draft? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that home run. The first two picks were home runs, but my big question for the Giants was then and that night and still is why did they not go up and get the center Linderbaum I mean the guy was like the sixth or seventh best player in the draft in a draft that in my opinion was more quality over quantity approach the Giants went quantity over quality so I'm a little concerned about that uh flot I don't think is a great corner uh, but anyway, long story short, the first two picks were home runs. The rest, I'm very questionable about. Yeah, well, at least they went O-line. At least. At the very least, yes. At, at least. Yeah. And you know what? And, and if you're a Giant fan, and, and Mark, I know you are. We met at the Giant game. This is the season where you're going to figure out who Daniel Jones is. They've surrounded him with enough talent. The The, the coach has given him the green light to do what he wants. They're having conversations, you know, what do you do best? Okay, let's put that in the playbook. I read something where uh, Kadarius Tony, you know, at OTAs, they're, they're giving him a chance to say, run the route that way. If you don't like it, let's run the route that way, and then we'll, we'll solidify it and put it in the playbook. That's a great coach. Yeah, yeah. That's a great yeah, system. Yeah, it, it, it's go time for DJ. Definitely. And you know what? I think he's going to shut a lot of people up. I, I've always believed in Daniel Jones. This season, you're going to see it. You're going to see a different man out there this season. And hopefully, Kadarius Tony stops making albums and starts playing on the field. Well, that's the one thing I question on draft night. Where is his commitment? Is it to his music or is it to his football? And and pick one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pleasure talking to you. Yeah, Mark, thanks for the call and thanks for that was a while ago. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll see you again. Take All care. Right. Bye. Yeah, Mark and I, uh, and when he said, I met you at the Giants game, and I was like, ah. And then he said, with the guy with the bag over his head. Yes, the guy that, with the bag over his head made the papers. I was, where I was, whatever I was doing, I was going to the concourse, and Mark recognized me, and then that guy walked out, and it was like a whole thing. I was like, hey, let's let's take a picture. So the three of us took a picture and then put it on. It was a whole big thing, but it was fun. It was fun. And that was it. That was, that was the first time I was, like, recognized outside of these four walls and, and this building, which was kind of cool. So, Mark, good to talk to you again. Uh, the Giants, I think, are going to surprise a lot of people this season. And we could do some Giants football if you like, some Jets football. The door's wide open. Marty, I see you on, on hold. I'll get to you right after. Fan Radio in New York City. I am Danielle McCartan with you too. Pete Hoffman will come your way then. I think I did see him before. 
and his Mets are beating the Dodgers 9-4 to in the top of the eighth. Uh, provided that the Mets bullpen doesn't implode. Uh, this looks like it's going to be a W for the Mets, which is good. I'm telling you, this is going to be the, the, the NLCS, I'm telling you. We talked uh, a lot about uh, AAA player Miguel Andujar tonight. Tough break. Deal with it. Life's tough. Get a helmet. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> the Yankees are not trading you. I would, but they're not. And I wouldn't do it right now either. I'd wait. But then we we'll also hit on the fact that Aaron Judge hits way too high up in the order. Drop him down already, will you please? Talked a little bit of Giants football right there. That's great. I'll take all of your calls. Rangers, let's go Rangers. I mean, all of it. All of it's on the table tonight. And, you know, if Aaron Judge ends up being a Yankee for life, which is what he wants, and probably what they're going to have to buck up and pay for, then he's probably going to be the next Yankee captain, which is a cool thing. And kind of like a little little segue there into uh, coming up at 120. I'm going to have on Mark Feinsand. Uh, he's uh, got a new book out, and he's obviously you know him from MLB.com, senior writer, all that. But he's got a new book out about the New York Yankees and the history of the Yankees, a curated history of the Bronx Bomber. So we'll talk to him about that. There's a chapter devoted to the captains, and uh, I'd love to see a couple extra pages written about Aaron Judge in, in that section, uh, you know, starting next year. And every year after that, uh, to the phones we go at 877-337-6666. Marty in Westchester, you're up on the fan. Yes, good morning, Danielle. Hello, um, Marty. Yeah, I was at the stadium this afternoon, and as soon as I saw the starting lineup and saw Aaron Judge batting leadoff, that was a bit of a head-scratcher. Yep. I mean, sure enough, he hits a leadoff home run to get, get the team off to a quick one nothing start, but mm-hmm. ideally... I mean, he should be number three and number four in a lineup yep. as opposed to one or two. Cause I'd he's probably a run go producer. three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, a waste. But, uh, Having him up that high, Marty, was a waste. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And, uh, I mean, it's something that definitely should not be done on a consistent basis. He should definitely be at least number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, it's the analytics uh, part of baseball, which uh, sometimes we disagree with. But, uh I mean, as far as his future, there's just no way the Yankees don't re-sign him. I mean, uh, he took a gamble at the end of spring training that he was going to have a big year, and uh, he's winning that gamble big time. Big time. Absolutely big time. And you know what? Good for him. Oh, absolutely. Good for him. Uh, as far as, as Andujar being sent down, uh, I was listening to uh, Chris McConnell last night, and he basically said it makes a lot of sense that uh, the Yankees uh, – Still need as as poorly as Hicks is playing, they still need a pure center fielder on the team at least for the time being because they obviously they don't want Judge to play center field day in and day out. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of wear and tear. But uh, uh, Brian Cashman's going to have to come up with something uh, in late July as, as far as how he's going to move both uh, Gallo and Hicks. But I, I you know, what what you say makes a lot of sense. They, pro- they probably will have to attach a, a, a top prospect. Uh, to a trade, they're they're going to have to. I mean, I don't I don't foresee any team taking either of the two of them just the way that they are. I mean, mm-hmm. and there's no value to either of the two of them. No, I mean, it's, it's amazing to see. Here's a team that's 23 games over 500, and Gallo, who's really, I mean, 
I've never seen a player in such a, a, a prolonged slump, and he struck out three times today, yeah. and the fans are booing him, which, you know, which is their right, of course. Yep. And, and this is a team that's uh, so far over 500. I know. Well, you got to feel sorry for him, but uh, uh, he's, he's best to be moved to another another team. He's just not doing it in New York. Yep. And, and take Hicks with him. And thanks, Marty, for the call there. Uh, and take Hicks with him. I mean, the two of them. But right now, uh, oh, and by the way, Pete Alonso just moved up into one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, tenth place all-time Mets home run leaders. He's tied with Kevin McReynolds with 122 home runs. He's hit two tonight. He has five RBIs. Pete Alonso is unstoppable. But Pete Alonso also bats fourth in the lineup. So there are runners on base when he gets up there and hits those home runs. Wouldn't that be nice for Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees, don't you think? Adam and Seafort, you're up on the fan. Danielle, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. All right, I called for a couple of Mets questions, but before I get to my Mets, two two points about the Rangers, because I'm a big Islander fan. Mm-hmm. It pains me to say this after losing to the Lightning two years in a row in the conference house, but I think the Rangers get past the Lightning, Yeah. but I do not think they get past Colorado. Well, here's the thing. They they sh- they weren't supposed to get past any of these teams, and, and yet they have. So I was thinking about that today as I'm cleaning out the pool. I, I was thinking literally that. So, I mean, this team, they seem to get better every game, every series. I'm not counting them out at, at all. Yeah. Uh, but, all right. Now, all right. Well, now, Adam, I'll, let, me, let me ask you, yeah. as an Islander fan, who the, the <laughs> Lightning have bounced you and, you know, Rangers yeah. out of the whole thing, who are you rooting for? I'm not rooting for the Rangers. <laughs> oh, come on. No, can't do it. All can't right. do it. All right. All right, for the Mets, the two questions are, the first one is, Alonzo, can he finally, can he win MVP? Can the Mets break through? Uh, MVP, most valuable player. I'm not sure his defense will get him there. Mm. Uh, but I, think it's, the, listen, I think the bat's big enough to maybe carry him. Yes, and that's what I was just about to say. If they value the bat and what he can do at the plate more so, then, then, then there's a really good chance. Yeah. Okay. And then the second question is, I was disappointed in the offense in the first two games of this series, but this third game is a, is a breath of fresh air. But what do you think is going to ha- How do you think the Mets are going to fare against the Padres? I know the Angels have been kind of reeling recently, but they also have the Brewers and the Astros coming up. Do you think they can get through those teams, you know, play, yeah. you know, win at, you know, more than half of those games or something? Yes, I do think so. Because what they're showing against the, the Dodgers tonight, the Dodgers are going to be their biggest test on this whole. Uh, they just show the schedule. The, the Dodgers series, the next is the Padres series, then it's the Angels series. This is the best team that they're going to be playing against. This is going to be the NLCS. And they are, in, uh, you know, a couple more outs, going to split the series so far with them, so far. Um, and if they can get through the Dodgers, they can get through anybody. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I love how I love how passionate you're saying. Like this is going to be the NLCS. It I is. wish I was that confident. <laughs> oh no! Believe me, it is. <laughs> I love it. I hope it's true. <laughs> and, I, right. and the I Mets love... are going to win it, by the way. <laughs> I hope you're right. All right, I love the pictures. I hope you reveal the project and uh, love all the photos. Oh, on oh yeah, oh yeah, there, Adam. The 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 project <laughs> on. Uh, I can't say anything yet because I'm waiting on one more detail. But hopefully. Hopefully by next week I'll have that detail and I can reveal it next week on the show. I hope. But I've got got something big in the works. Awesome. Thanks for the time. Take care of yourself. Hey, thanks for the call there, Adam. Yeah, I I do have something big, but I'm not going to – I'm not going to.
Not yet. Don't ask about it. I'm not going to. To Dave in Comac, New York. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. What's up, Dave? I'm, I'm an Islander fan, in case you haven't figured that out yet. I heard the fry caller. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you're never going to see me vote for the, for the Rangers. Oh, but you know what? To be objective, I think the Rangers are going to win the Cup this year. And it, as an Islander fan, I think it's a total embarrassment. It's a total embarrassment because in the five years that the Rangers started rebuilding their team, that Ledecky and Lamarillo have done absolutely nothing to improve this team. And I think that the reason, real reason why Trotz is not here anymore is because Ledecky didn't want to spend the money. Mm. In which case, uh, my position on that is Ledecky needs to sell the team and he needs to do it now. And as I own the fans, assuming we can do this, I think that we should be picketing outside the UBS arena <laughs> to get them to bring back Trotz, or he should sell the team. Because he's done nothing to improve the team. Evidently, he doesn't care about this team. He's only gets, he was only concerned about his building. He got his building. Trotz probably asked for an extension and a raise. Ledecky probably didn't want to do it. Wow, that's that's Dave. That, that's a lot. What would your it sign? Makes, it makes sense. What would your the sign guy, say well, in the picket line? Huh? What would your sign say in the picket line? Bring back Trotz. Sell the team. Bring back Trotz. Sell the team. Yep. Bring back because, Trotz. Seriously, in the last five years, right? The Rangers have been rebuilding. Right, they've got three solid scorers and a decent goaltender, and it looks like. And gut instinct is telling me, I think they're going to win the cup. And as an Islander fan, I'm embarrassed. I really am, and they should be embarrassed too. The Islanders. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, I think so. And and because they came one one game. Yeah. Uh, within the Stanley Cup final, and they got nothing to show for it. Was, like I said many times to you, I said that that series was lost in Game Five. Mm-hmm. Right, because and if you look at Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky is doing what Valama and Sorokin have been doing that I've been complaining about for the longest time. He's too far out of the net. Yeah. When they played the Islanders, Vasilevsky didn't do that. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that could stop the Rangers is staying in the net. But I can't believe that they're not focusing on that. Yeah. Well, I know, Dave, and and they said, and I saw that. Then thanks for the call there, and. uh I'll join the pickup picket line. I'll do it. I'll join you out there. But I think I saw where did I see it? It was on TV. I don't know what it was on. But Vasilevsky has not allowed a five hole goal this entire playoffs. I'm pretty sure I saw that on the broadcast. That's amazing. But they the Rangers have have found a, a weakness. It's the blocker side on Vasilevsky. That's it. Keep hammering the blocker side. And by the way, that's bread, money, bread and butter. For Mika Zibanejad and his one-timers from that circle. I'm telling you. Peter in Lawrence, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. How are you? What's up, Peter? Well, basically, one time I said I was skeptical about the Yankees' rotation mm-hmm. after the third starter. I am not skeptical anymore. Me neither. I think I, I probably echoed your sentiment, and I am no longer skeptical, skeptical I either. Am, I am very impressed with Me Nestor. too. With uh, Severino mm-hmm. coming back after arm surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy once said, it's not the pinstripes, it's the men inside the pinstripes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when a player like Andujar asks to be traded, that really that really stings with me because there's nothing better than wearing the pinstripes. Yeah. But sometimes you got to go to find yourself. And that's it. And I hope they accommodate him and uh, 
he does well. And it's and it's no hard feelings. It's just it is what it is at this point in time. We have not reached the trade deadline. There will be a spot for him. He just needs to hold tight. And everybody out there that's clamoring to see him, hold tight. There will be a shot for him. There will be. It's just not now on June 5th. That's it. True. That's it. You have a nice night, Danielle. And thanks, Peter. You too. And let's go, before we get to Mark Feinstein coming up in a few few minutes here, let's go to Sparky in Dobbs Ferry. You're up next on the fan, Sparky. Oh, Coach, first of all, I haven't talked in a few weeks. I know. How are you? Uh, I hope you had a happy birthday, by the way. Oh, I did. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Now, one thing with the Yanks, which no, nobody's brought up, I'm more concerned. What are they going to do as far as dealing with Araldus Chapman? Mm. Because I hope that the Yankee organization has the guts and the shuts for to keep Holmes as the closer. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sorry, Chapman has shown, and he has no leg to stand on in an argument. Every time in the postseason, you know the guy's going to lay an egg. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you got to be kidding me. I know. So, so, Sparky, you know my stance on this. You make... Yep. Aroldis Chapman, as you just were saying, you make Aroldis Chapman the the setup guy. He can't handle the pressure. I mean, exhibit A, Altuve. I mean, that's all I ever needed to see in Chapman in a closer in a tight spot. You make him the setup man, and maybe you rotate. Maybe you rotate King. Maybe you rotate Holmes. Maybe you give the guys, you know, the other team a different look with these guys in in a rotation. But uh, closer by committee even. But Aroldis Chapman, when he comes back, when he's ready to be back, he should not just slide right into the closer's position. I'm with you. Thank you, Coach. Now, as far as Aaron Judge... Obviously, I've been such a big fan all along. I just pray the Yanks don't lose this guy. Because, you know what? If you have to overpay, you overpay. Because it also, if they lose him, what kind of message are you sending to other potential free agents when a team won't keep their most highly regarded player? Yeah. I know. I, I I get it. I, I you know. I, I do get it. And and listen. This is this is this is on Cashman. He yep. he dared Judge to go do it. And look what he's been doing. So either they're <laughs> going to let him walk, or they're going to pay him top dollar. Either is not a good outcome for Cashman. He's doing pretty good. Oh yeah, uh, Judge. Oh, he he's doing all right. Yeah. Now as far as as far as Jacob Degrom. Mm-hmm. Let me ask him. He did opt out of his contract, right? Uh, he said he was going to. I don't know if he did. Because you want to know what? Nothing for nothing. If I were a Mets fan and this guy decided to opt out where it's official, let him go. And I'll tell you why. Because as good a quote-unquote pitcher he is, Last year, his physical inability to pitch for the last two months of the season may have cost them the division. Yeah. You know, but you know what? The cost of the division, the inability to make a move at the trade deadline. That's what, oh, that's what happened. I mean, they, Sparky, they knew. That GM knew the severity of his injury and, and still did not make a move. That's criminal. Yep, yep. But also, too, the one thing, too, which I forgot, is let's face it. The Braves hit a home run on the trade deadline when they got all those guys. Oh, yeah. They revamped the entire outfield. You know. And now, as far as the Jets go, 
I had to tell you something. This is as a as a Jets fan since the, they drafted Joe Namath. I mean, gosh, I'm 66 years old. Yeah. I feel really good about this team because you know what? So you finally have a GM in Douglas who seems like he has a head on his shoulders where he knows what he's doing. Well, good as in playoffs? No. You know what? Good as like there'll be a competitive team, an improving team. We really believe it's going to happen down the line. You know, it's, hey, Rome wasn't built in a day. Right. And, you know, it's going to take time, but you feel like there's reasons for hope. You know, it's going to take time. But, yeah. but I, like you said, I think the system, the coaching staff and everything that they have in, in, in place, I, 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 you got to like it. And the Giants as well. The Giants are, are have, they're going to be good too, you know, long term with these guys. I mean, as and you mentioned the Giants, as a Jets fan, I still almost have nightmares about that kickoff return from Cruz. <laughs> the legend was, was born. Cooks, I was just about ready to go to church for Christmas Eve, <laughs> and that touchdown, I was like, oh my, yeah. oh gosh, you got to be kidding. And the legend of Victor Cruz was born. Thanks for the call there, Sparky. But what do you want tomorrow? Uh, t- oh, tomorrow I'm on uh, ten, uh, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Okay, Coach. Have a great day. All right. I'll talk to you tomorrow Bye-bye. then. Sounds like a plan. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, Sparky. Sounds like a plan for tomorrow. All right. Up next, Mark Feinsand here to uh, talk to us in the inaugural Danielle's WFAN Book Club segment. Mark Feinstein and me coming up next here on The Fan. With summer coming, welcome to the inaugural segment of Danielle's WFAM Book Club. And here with us tonight is MLB.com's executive reporter and MLB.com network insider. But more importantly tonight, author of The Franchise, New York Yankees, a curated history of the Bronx Bombers, Mark Feinstein. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Danielle. Appreciate it. All right. I think we should get right into this because um, the first thing that I noticed is the organization of the chapters that you had and then, and then like the vignettes within them. And to me, it was almost like kind of thumbing through an encyclopedia in a way in the sense of like, all right, well, OK, I want to know about Hideki Matsui. Let me turn to page 303. Did you do that on purpose? Well, so obviously when you're writing a, a book about the history of the Yankees, you have to pick and choose. You can't write about everything in the history of the team, or it'd be like a 3,000 page book. And I wasn't writing a 3,000 page book. Uh, So, you know, we tried to figure out some thematic chapters to go through uh, that could sort of tell as much of the story as you can while highlighting certain guys. Now, the trickiest part of writing a book like this is that a whole bunch of people that you're writing about died many, many years ago. uh, And people who played with them died many, many years ago. And I couldn't get any of Babe Ruth's teammates or uh, things like that. So, there's a lot skewed towards the last 40 years because those are the people I could actually sit down and talk with uh, and try to get some new information out of or some interesting stuff that either hadn't been out there before or people forgot about or that I never knew. Um, so while we address the Ruth and Gehrig and, and Mandela DiMaggio's of the world, uh, we also obviously hit a lot of the, the last 40 years. So, you know, we were thinking like, what makes a baseball team? What makes the history of this team when you talk about it? 
we have the architects, the managers, the GMs, and the owners. We have the legends, that goes without saying. The captains, because the captains of this team have a very rich history. Uh, the rivalries, obviously, are a huge part of it. The game winners, the, the moments that we talk about. And then the, the section that I was most sort of excited about, just because of some of the people I get to talk to, was the acquisitions. We talk about the big free agents, the big trades that have been made in history. Again, you can't hit them all. Um, but some of them I was able to talk, you know, sit down with Mike Mussina for a couple hours at a diner in Montoursville, Pennsylvania, and dive into his decision to become a Yankee, and then what the next 10 years were like for him, uh, pitching in pinstripes and, you know, finally getting that elusive 20-win season and retiring all, on top. And uh, so it, it was fun. It was, you know, trying to figure out how to break this up um, to tell as much of the story as you could tell in 380 pages. Yeah. Uh, before we really even really dive in, I have to kind of take a step back and say I might be a little biased, but I loved the numerous mentions of WFAN throughout this entire book. So how has the radio station WFAN kind of been interwoven into the fabric of the New York Yankees? Well, I mean, you think about it, the the Tory era took place in the sort of heyday of WFAN and Mike and the Mad Dog and, uh, you know, sort of the the. You know, we hadn't quite gotten into the internet age yet, and sports radio was really sort of the outlet for fans to uh, get, you know, get their their voice out there. There was no Twitter, there was no social media, um, and so you think about how important the radio station, especially it was the only one in New York at the time, how important that radio station was to the sports landscape in New York. Um, you know, certainly, I think. Uh, uh, anybody who was around then understands that before a big Yankee game, before a big Met game, before a big Ranger game or whatever it may have been, uh, you know, people were tuned into the fan to hear what what people had to say about it. In your research, you kind of just mentioned it. Um, what story were you surprised to have uncovered? I'm not sure there's anything I was surprised. You know, I, there was one thing that I'm sure I knew it at the time or I've read it before. But when I was talking to Joe Torrey, who was gracious enough to write the forward to this book, and, and I can't thank him enough for that, you know, having a, a Hall of Famer who is obviously one of the most important people of this generation for the Yankees, uh, you know, agree to, to do that was, was really wonderful. Talking to Joe about his decision, we've heard him talk all the time about, you know, his brother Frank said to him, you're crazy to go work for this guy. What are you doing? And he said, I just want to see if I can do it. But I was fascinated to think about the sliding doors aspect he was offered the GM job before he was offered the manager's job. What if he had taken that? What if he had taken that GM job uh, instead of Bob Watson? And then who knows who they hire as manager? Maybe Brian Cashman never becomes the GM of the Yankees. There are so many different aspects of that that were crazy to think about. And I may have known that Joe was offered the GM job at one point, but it wasn't in my head. And when he said it, I was like, whoa. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And you start thinking about what could have been this dynasty maybe never happens. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that was one that um, you start churning in your mind that concept. And you're like, wow, if he had just taken that job, we could be talking about a whole different history of the past 30 years. Yeah, with us on the fan right now is author of the franchise, New York Yankees, a curated history of the Bronx Bombers, Mark Feinstein. And kind of along that same vein, actually, what really stuck out to me, and I actually like stopped after I read this and I had a what if question, but the episode was it was on page 142. And it was, I think, just one sentence that you wrote. Um, it was early in Williams's Bernie Williams's first stint with the Yankees. A few veteran players were, in his words, hazing and bullying him. 
I mean, we're talking about Bernie Williams being bullied on a professional baseball team. So I started thinking from who, for what, and what if Mattingly didn't step in? Yeah, I, I didn't get the who or the what exactly. Bernie didn't want to get into that. But the point of the story and the point of what he was talking about was just sort of the impact that Mattingly had on him. Uh, and we've heard young players who played with Donnie talk all the time about the leadership and the impact that he had on them um, away from the field as much as what he did on the field. But for Bernie, who Joe Torrey, the one word he always used about Bernie was sensitive. He's a sensitive guy. He's a very deep, thoughtful guy. We know that from just having talked to Bernie over the years. Uh, and he was probably a little bit of a timid youngster on this team there were some big personalities back when he first came up and remember this was not a winning team so you had a lot of big personalities who were constantly uh dealing with losing streaks and and poor performance uh and they were taking it out on the young guy uh who was one of the big uh you know one of the big up-and-comers on the team who was theoretically there to take at least one of their jobs uh and Don Mattingly basically said this isn't going to happen I got your back and, and told some of these older guys to back off of him. And, uh, you know, Mattingly had the, the respect of everybody in that clubhouse. And if Donnie went to bat for somebody, uh, everybody else listened. So, uh, you know, in the Mattingly, I, there are chapters on Donnie and in Bernie on this, in this book. And, you know, two of the, of the really vital figures for the, uh, you know, for this franchise in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I, I know. I was just kind of thinking like, all right, well, what if Bernie was the one that was moved or traded or something? Would this Yankees dynasty, you know, in, in the years that we know it, have ex even existed? He's a big part of it. I think Bernie actually said it's almost a miracle that he ended up playing his whole career with the Yankees for the number of times that that they talked about trading him, that his name was floated in trade rumors. The fact that he almost left as a free agent, uh, you know, in, in 98 when, uh, you know, when they almost signed with the Red Sox. And George Steinbrenner sort of swooped in at the end and said, I can't let this guy sign with the Red Sox. Let's let's give him what he wants. Um, you know, Bernie, uh, you know, talks all the time about how fortunate and how wonderful it is that he was able to play his whole career with the Yankees. But there were several times, uh, again, going with those sliding doors where it's very possible that Bernie could have been wearing another uniform for part, if not all of his career. You know, I'm no baseball historian. I don't pretend to be one. So, and I always like learning new things. And I never really knew until I read your book about the relationship between Roger Maris and New York as a whole. He said, I would have never gone back to New York to play. I'd had it in New York. They had to trade me. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Do you, having studied him and all of this, think that he really believed that? I do. I mean, I, I talked to enough people who were sort of historians or around at the time yeah. Uh, he did not like it here. And I think, you know, when you look back at, uh, you know, everything you've read about the 61 home run race and, and, you know, what we saw in Billy Crystal's movie and just sort of everything that's been documented out there, uh, Maris felt, felt slighted that the fans, the media, the people in the Yankees organization, they all wanted Mantle to be the one to break that record. And, uh, you know, I, I think he took that personally. And then, you know, <laughs> what's funny is he comes back the next year and he has 30-something home runs and 100 RBIs and another good season. And UPI voted him as the biggest bust of 1962. The guy had an incredible year. And they voted him the biggest bust of the year. So for a guy who won a couple of MVPs, uh, a couple of World Series, and I just don't think he ever felt appreciated here. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he I, – I believe those quotes that we read. I mean, I, I dug through some – you know, a lot of archives for a lot of the older stories. Um, you know, the New York Times archive was was invaluable. 
going back and actually seeing what was being written in the times, uh, you know, in the 60s, um, I have no reason to believe that Maris wouldn't have left or retired rather than come back to New York. Wow. Probably, and we're talking about Mark Feinstein on the fan, probably the most moving chapter for me of the entire book was, of course, the Thurman Munson uh, chapter. He passed away, it was like 11 or 12 years before I was even born. And so I'm reading it. I'm, I'm reading. George sent him, he wanted a trophy instead of a ring. George sent him an inscribed trophy. Reggie was crying like a baby in the outfield during a moment of silence. The team went to his services and then to the game that same day. So could you just talk about the 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 weight or the responsibility in telling the Thurman Munson story? Again, this story has been told, but I tried to talk to as many people who were around, who knew Thurman. Um, you know, Willie Randolph, I spent some time talking to him. Marty Appel, who was the team's PR director at the time. Um, you know, there were, there were a lot of people who knew Thurman really well. And Bucky Dent told me a story about he was at Windows on the World eating dinner. Uh, it was an off day that, that Thurman died. And he was at Windows on the World eating dinner. And he came down to get his car. And the valet said, I can't believe Thurman. I can't believe about Thurman. And Bucky said, what are you talking about? He said he died in a plane crash. And Bucky said his knees just buckled and he didn't know what to do with himself. It almost it didn't seem real. Uh, you know, he was not liked by everybody in that clubhouse, but he was respected by everybody in that clubhouse. He was the captain for a reason. Uh, he didn't even want to be captain when they when they named him uh, to that post. He just didn't really think it was a, a thing that he cared about. Um, he went out and played and led by example, much like Madeline, much like Jeter. That's sort of been the, the, the theme throughout the captains in this team's history, um, you know, but they hadn't had a, ha- a captain since Lou Gehrig died. And, you know, they, they decided George Steinbrenner decided this was going to, this was the right guy. Um, and so obviously I remember I was four and a half years old when he died. He was one of my favorite players uh, as, as a little kid. And I couldn't sort of wrap my head around what happened and, you know, going back and talking to people who were intimately involved with it, it's, uh, you know, it's one of the worst days in this franchise's history. And the fact that they uh, were able to bounce back and, uh, you know, go to that funeral, have that emotional win that night. Uh, Bobby Mercer with the big game, one of his closest friends. It's uh, it's even here now. What are we? 43 years later. Um, when you start talking to these guys about Thurman, they still get emotional. This is this is not something that's gone away uh, or that time has healed that wound. Willie Randolph, Bucky Dent, these guys talking about Thurman, you can hear it in their voice. They're still um, thinking about all the decades of friendship and experiences together that they lost when he went down in that plane crash. In the inaugural Danielle's WFAM book club, we're joined by Mark Feinsand. Uh, Chapter seven, I wanted to get into this family business. You did a compelling comparison between George and Hal. And there's a quote from Hal that said, I am still of the belief you shouldn't need a $200 million team to win a championship. Well, he continues to hit that mark, as you said. And since George passed away, the Yankees have not even played in a World Series, never mind won one. Um, Is it time for Hal to adjust his model? No, I don't think so. I, I think when you look at the number of different teams that have won the World Series in the last 15 years, um, it's not, you know, the Dodgers spend more than everybody else every year. They've won once, and it was in a pandemic, a weird pandemic bubble season. So spending the money doesn't guarantee you anything. 
and they still spend a lot of money. They're still, I mean, it's not like the Yankees have dipped down to be a $140 million payroll team. Uh, you know, this year they're up in the 250 plus area. So uh, while Hal doesn't necessarily believe that you have to have a $200 million payroll to win the World Series, that's not to say that he's not going to have a $200 million plus payroll. Um, you know, they had the one year they did the reset uh, of the luxury tax, which makes sense because as a business, if you're going to pay, you know, 50 cents on the dollar extra that's silly why would you do that so um i don't think he has to adjust anything i I think george steinbrenner and hal steinbrenner owned the team when the team when baseball was under completely different systems george used to be able to go out and just outspend everybody if he wanted to and there's nothing anybody could do about it now there are things in place a teams have more money right i mean the yankees aren't even the wealthiest team in new york at this point um and B, there are rules in place that, that are designed to prevent teams from going out and just outspending everybody else. So um, I just think one's playing chess, one's playing checkers. I just think they're completely different games. No, the Yankees haven't won a World Series since George Steinbrenner died, but they've been in the playoffs almost every year. Uh, you know, a couple of years in the, the mid, you know, 2013, 14, when they didn't make it under Girardi, that was, that was sort of that transition of the core four retiring and, um, you know, uh, A-Rod getting old and Teixeira getting old and everything else. But, uh, you know, they've still been a hugely successful team. They've been, uh, you know, had their shot, been in a couple of ALCSs. I don't think there's anything that needs adjusting. I think they need a little better luck come October. Well, maybe it's expectations, because in your book, too, the franchise, a curated history of the Bronx Bombers, you had Paul O'Neill talking about um, every, he said, George said New York deserves a winner. So there was a feeling and a pressure every year that we were supposed to win. For George's teams, that meant win a World Series. Has the definition of win changed or evolved for Hal's Yankees, having made the playoffs pretty much every year since George died? No, the definition hasn't changed. The, the World Series is still the goal with this team. Uh, and when they don't win the World Series, there's there's disappointment. And there's certainly a, a factor of people, a faction of people within the organization who believe that they should have won the World Series. Right. But I think there's more of a uh, realization of how hard it is to do that, especially now that. You have, you know, back when George was was running the team, there was four playoff teams, right? So if you got in, you had a one in four chance of winning. Uh, then when the wild card came along, okay, so it expanded a little bit. Now it was a one in eight, but the Yankees were still, uh, you know, always one of those teams. It's a little harder now. It's more teams. Players are better all over the league. Teams are more talented all over the league. Um, and they can't just go out and spend everybody. So, no, I don't think the definition has changed. I just think uh, reality is that how many times we haven't seen back-to-back World Series champions since the Yankees, let alone a team that's going to win three in a row. So, you know, that 2009 team was very special. Obviously, I did a whole book on them with Brian Hoke, uh, and and we could dig in that some other time. But you look at, I think right now, honestly, if the Red Sox hadn't won four <laughs> in this century, I think Yankee fans would be a little more chill about this. But the fact that the Red Sox have four and the Yankees have two in this century is uh, is what's driving this sort of, you know, look, it's a 13-year drought. Go talk to the people in Cleveland. Go talk to the people in Seattle or Texas or places that have never won, uh, and they'll, they'll play a really, really small violin for you for your 13-year <laughs> drought. <laughs> Author of the franchise, New York Yankees, a curated history of the Bronx Bombers, Mark Feinstein joins us on the fan. You know, there's one other thing. You alluded to the Mets. Marty Appel said of George Steinbrenner, he was really changing baseball and winning over players who wanted to go to the Yankees because he had such an open pocketbook. 
he was the perfect guy to come along for the Yankees. Now, in 2022, I'm reading that with Steve Cohen in mind for the exact same reasons. Do you think he's going to have the same success in Queens that George had in the Bronx? Well, again, I think it's tougher because it's tougher to win now than it was when George first took over, right? In the 70s, again, there were four playoff teams. If you got to the playoffs, you had a 50-50 chance of getting to the World Series and a 25% chance of winning the World Series. So um, I think, again, you look at things in context. Met fans right now are very excited about Steve Cohen because they just wanted the Wilpons out, right? So uh, they wanted a, an owner who was willing to spend and go out there and do what's necessary. And it seems like Steve Cohen has that mindset of doing what's necessary to make sure he has a winning team. Will he be the, the difference maker? I mean, they've got to go out and win the World Series at least one time for that to be the case. But certainly he is, um, you know, having the impact uh, on the Mets that, that Steinbrenner had on the Yankees without, to this point, and no reason to believe so, all of the negatives that Steinbrenner brought as well. Uh, you know, Steve Cohen has not had the bluster uh, that George Steinbrenner had. I mean, George lived for those back pages. I don't get the sense that that's the case with Steve Cohen. I think he, he's, he's been on a few, but George was, it was also a different media world back then. And I think, you know, I mean, I remember talking to Bill Madden my old colleague at the Daily News, when he was on the Yankee beat in the early 80s, and they had an off day on the road, he literally had to sit in his hotel room all day because there were no cell phones. And if you missed the call back from George, you weren't getting another one. Um, so George had everybody sort of just, you know, he was like the, the puppet master who he determined if he wanted to be on the back page, he knew who to call to get on the back page. Uh, and he wanted that. So it's a different world in terms of the, uh, yeah. you know, the, the media part of it, but I, I, you know, in terms of the baseball part, yeah, Steve Cohen certainly seems like he could have that same kind of effect. You in your book talked about how Lou Gehrig kind of started his legendary career because of a Wally Pip headache, scratch with a headache. I field calls all the time. Oh, he's hurt. Oh, that's a silly injury. This and that. Can you imagine the gaskets that Yankee fans would blow if the reason why someone was not in the lineup today was a headache? Well, look, we've seen guys miss games because of migraines. That's a thing, right? Uh, you know, med medicine probably wasn't quite as advanced in uh, the 1920s as it is now. So I, I can't I can't judge anybody from, you know, the 1920s for saying their head hurt and they couldn't play. But if you had a migraine, I've had a migraine in my life. You can't function with those things. So, uh, yeah, but that certainly would be uh, I think medicine is advanced to the point where people can fight through those things a little better. But it is amazing to think that if Wally Pip doesn't have a headache, who knows when Lou Gehrig takes the field and uh, uh, and starts that incredible streak. Um, finishing up here, there's a chapter in part two dedicated to it. So you knew I was going to ask about it. Who would be on Mark Feinstein's New York Yankees Mount Rushmore? I, I think it's hard to argue against the four that I write about, uh, you know, with Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, and Mickey Mantle. It, it's, you can make cases for other guys. Yogi's got three MVPs and 10 rings. Jeter's got more hits than anybody else and, and five rings. Um, you know, Mariano's the greatest who ever played his position in the history of the game. Whitey Ford is the best starting pitcher in the history of the team. But Babe, Lou, Joe D, and Mickey, it's hard to, to top those four. I have to say it's those four. I think the Yankees are one of the few teams – that could have two route Rushmores facing each other, and nobody would argue with anybody. If I'm going on the second route Rushmore, I'm probably going with Yogi, Whitey, Jeter, and Mo. Yeah, I'd agree with that. 
So I folded and highlighted so many more pages in that book, but I wish I could talk about it longer. But I guess that just means that the listener is going to have to go and read it for themselves. Going to have to go buy it. That's the way this works, right? Yeah. So, uh, Mark, tell them where they could pick up a copy of the franchise, The New York Yankees, A Curated History of the Bronx Bombers. The franchise comes out on Tuesday. It is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, anywhere that books are sold. You can get yourself a copy of this. Uh, For those in the New Jersey, the Central Jersey region, I will be at Barnes & Noble in East Brunswick on Route 18 on Thursday from 6 to 8 doing a book signing there. So uh, anybody in Jersey, come stop by and and say hello. I'll sign a book and we'll talk some baseball. Oh, that's awesome, Mark. I didn't know that. So, you know, first, I got to say thanks for sending me an advanced copy of it. I'm very appreciative to you and, and thanks for joining me tonight. Always. I appreciate it, Danielle. Thanks for your time. After midnight here on The Fan in New York City, this is your last chance to get aboard at 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. I'll be handing it off, like a football play, handing it off or, you know, passing it to Pete Hoffman at at 2 a.m. He'll be taking you up through 6 a.m. He is here in the studio. Just had a lengthy conversation with him on the break here. Um, And, and you know, he's going to keep you entertained until 6 a.m. No doubt about that. Pretty much at the end of the interview, during the commercial break, the Mets wrapped their game in L.A. Pete Alonso has his third game this season with more five or more RBI. He finished with two home runs, five RBI, and two runs scored, of course, three for five. Eduardo Escobar, two for four, home run, RBI. Brandon Nimmo, two for four. I mean, the Mets, they totaled 13 hits tonight against the Dodgers. And without, you know... Wasn't without a little controversy there at the end from the Dodgers' perspective. And if you're a Met fan, I want to know: Is it the Buck Showalter effect? Would any other manager have caught this? Because, and this is a tweet from Tim Healy. He summed it up succinctly, and he said, "The Dodgers tried to use position player Zach McKinstry to pitch in the ninth inning of a five-run game. The umpires say it needs to be at least a six-run game for a position player to pitch." Dave Roberts messed up. And the Mets caught him. And obviously the advantage to that is um, you would, you know, everybody's thinking, well, well, wouldn't the Mets want a position player? Well, actually, the Mets were up by five runs. They would actually want to face an actual relief pitcher so that they don't have to face that relief pitcher tomorrow. So that was a good call. And I'm wondering, uh, and it took forever to figure it out, too. I mean, you got everybody standing around, umpires gathering, the whole thing, right? So... Um, I'm wondering if any former manager, not to throw Luis Rojas under the bus, but any former Met manager would have caught that. Was it Buck Showalter that, that ultimately did catch that? Uh, I'm sure we'll have to wait till the post-game interviews to uh, dissect that. And by then, I'll be gone. And Pete Hoffman's got you totally and completely covered. Covered all the bases on that. Uh, so tune in to him for, for the explanation behind that. Uh, let's go back to the phones for the last time tonight at 877-337-6666. We go to Valley Stream. And Michael, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, thanks I, I for making wanted, it. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about the Yankees. I, I think this team is uh, like they're having a phenomenal season. Their starting pitching is just outstanding. I think they're going to sweep the Tigers here. I think the game is 
uh, 11 a.m. today on Peacock. And yeah. I think they're definitely going to sweep the series. And the Yankees with this team, I think the sky's the limit this year. I just think they need like a reliever and an outfielder because I really want like Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks like like gone. I want these guys like completely like DFA'd or, or, or cut because I just think that, that with that, these guys Michael, on the that team, would be silly. But that would be silly. Uh, I understand the premise behind it, but that would be silly to not get anything Ain't nothing. Oh no no no! I want to get I want to get something back for well, them. Well, you can if you're DFAing him. Oh, I mean like a trade. I mean like trade. Oh, trading. Uh, yeah, trading him. Well, they've got because, no value either. Yeah, and Joey Gallo. I think th- it would be easy to probably trade Joey Gallo than Aaron Hicks because uh, Aaron Hicks has three years left, and that's thirty million. So mm-hmm. I don't think any team is going to take him. And it looks like we're stuck with him. But I really I, this Aaron Hicks is driving me crazy. I mean, this is a, a phenomenal team, and I just hope this guy doesn't stop them from winning a World Series. Because he's just an automatic out in the lineup. He's a dead bat. And the Yankees do need – I would love to trade for Andrew Benvintendi. Yes. I mean – He's number and, one uh, on my list for the Yankees yeah, as yeah, of he today. Is. And, and a reliever. I think they do need another reliever. The bullpen concerns me with this team. That's the only, like, issue because they lost a lot of their relievers. Uh, Chapman, uh, yeah. they lost Green, they lost LaWiseka. So uh, don't you think they need another relief pitcher? Uh – I don't know if I'd say relief pitcher in the sense that I would say that they need to solidify who is going to close the games for them because. Oh, Clay Holmes has been. He, he's like outstanding. Lights out. Lights out. He's been. And, yeah. and if, if Aroldis Chapman yeah. comes back from injury and they, they slide him right in, that would be a gigantic mistake. Yeah. Do you think this team's World Series bound? I, I think that. I mean, I never yes. seen. I have a very good feeling about this team, and I haven't felt this way about them since 2009. Yeah. And I know when this team goes right and when they win it all, and this is one of those years. So I really hope. They, they come up big in the playoffs because that seems to be like when they fail in October. And, you know, hitting with runners in scoring position is, is the problem with this team every year in the playoffs. They they come up short with uh, runners in scoring position. I just yeah. hope we don't see like another, 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 you know, the same thing again with this team. It's like, it's, but I, I think everything looks great. I mean, Aaron Judge is having an MVP season. He, he's just, he's unbelievable. I mean, I, I think he's winning the MVP this year, Judge. I think I think. Listen, you've got like you just said, Aaron Judge MVP season. You've got Nestor Cortez and 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 Garrett Cole, who are both in the top four. Two of the two of them are in the top four odds oh, to it's, win it's, it's Cy Young Award, AL Cy Young Award. I yeah. mean, this Yankees team, the way it's constructed. I'm with you, Michael. This feels different. This, this is the if. This I think this is finally because I'm telling you right now, if we don't win it this year. I'm going to be extremely uh, like devastated. I mean, this is like this feels like just they can't miss this one. They have to like they can't screw this up. They have to like just break the you know break this draft. I mean, this is I know it's like for twelve years is not as bad as other teams, but yeah. they, they, I just want them to finally like get this over with and win this World Series. And and the New York Rangers they're not doing too bad themselves. I mean, they've been unbelievable. Well, I, uh, I mean. The Rangers yeah. are exceeding every expectation yeah. label put on them. It's the sky's yeah. the limit for them. I mean, imagine if we get two championships uh, this year, Yankees and Rangers. That yeah, when was the last time that has happened here in New York? Oh, 1994 was the last time the Rangers won the Cup. No, I know that, but the last time <laughs> any of our teams, two of them won oh, the same Oh, okay, year. both teams in our, oh my God. That's I a good trivia question. The, uh, the, the last time, I think it might have been in the 80s, I think. Uh, both ooh. teams won uh, it might have been uh, when the Mets won and the Giants won, the New York Giants. I think that was the last time we might have saw two New York teams win. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to jog my memory here. It's and it's and it's late, and I've been up for almost 24 hours. So if anybody has the actual like hard, yeah. you know, like a website answer, you can tweet me at Coach M C C A R T A N, and we'll get that squared away. But yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Mm-hmm. A Rangers Cup. 
Mets or a Yankees World Series. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. That would be unbelievable. I just hope that happens because it would be great for the fans of New York and uh, having two parades. Uh, it would be it would just be uh, unreal. And like I said, the Yankees. I just think they need to make that impactful move at the deadline. Yeah, I think they're set this team. But I want to see Cashman finally say, you know what? I'm putting my foot down here. We're on the doorstep of a World Series. Let's make that final impactful move, mm-hmm. and that's it. Just finish it off. Yeah, and, so. and Michael, great. Thanks for the call there. And, and I think that one impactful move uh, right now on June fifth is Andrew Benatendi. That is the player that I want. He hits 335 so far this season. He plays left field. He's a left-handed bat, and his spray chart looks beautiful to me because he has hits from all the way from the left field line all the way to the right field line and everywhere in between. That is the impact bat that the Yankees need moving forward. Matthew from Staten Island says he wants to talk about the Yankees. So, Matthew, you're going to be the last caller of the night, I believe, and this, I guess, makes you the Mariana Rivera of the night. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So, you know, the Yankees, I think they've been great this season, but even though, like, they've had a great series, they had a great series against the Angels, having a great series against the Tigers, I think it was a really, really bad move, uh, moving down Andujar. I get he was banged up, injured, not having the best season, but... No, I think he's an automatic double. Right, but it wasn't performance based. It was roster spot based. And he was the only, he was the odd man out. He's the guy with options. It had nothing to do with his performance. Right. I mean, now he's requesting a trade. Do you think we can potentially maybe move in Gallo with a potential trade with Andujar? I mean, they've, they've, he's got no value. That's the problem with Gallo. He's got no value. None. Right. Maybe, maybe yeah. he he won't. Let me let me say this again in a different way. He will not be on this team come the, after the trade deadline. Joey Gallo will not be on this team. So it's a matter of trying to get him going, and the Yankees kind of trying to sell everybody on. No, oh, the guy needs a change of scenery, just like Gary Sanchez sort of story. Right. I mean, I think we are a hundred percent World Series bound. I think if we don't even make it to the World Series, then. I mean, the way it's going, then I think that's a failed season. And I'm just scared that someone like Gallo or someone like Hicks is going to just become an automatic out, you know, as they are right now. Yeah. And they're just going to sell it. And I'm scared for that. uh, We've had this 12-year drought, and I'm just, you know, we need to prove something. Yeah. Well, and and Matthew, here's the thing. The pitching staff is, is better this year than any year in recent memory for the Yankees. Number one, so in a in a short series, a, a three game series, yeah, I'm not worried anymore of who's going to be the number two starter behind Garrett Cole. Honestly, I'd make Nestor my number one starter at this point. Make Garrett Cole two, and then figure it out from there. So, so these pitchers have stepped it up. That doesn't scare me. Um, number one, the pitching is is right now. Knock on wood, not a worry for this Yankees team as they make a run in, into the postseason and, and when, once they get there. And two, the lineup has diversified some. I mean, I look at bats like Gleyber Torres. It has changed his approach noticeably at the plate. He's not trying to blast home runs. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, he's one of those guys that just puts the ball in play. I mean, Rizzo has been great. Donaldson, surprisingly, has surprised me. So this team, although it is still feast or famine-ish, it's better than it has been. Now, you rid yourself of a black hole of Joey Gallo, and you rid yourself of Aaron Hicks if possible, and we talked at nauseum about that tonight, the possibilities and potentialities of that. This team is much better. Get Andrew Penintendi here. 
Hey, thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you, and I love coming here and talking with you. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, which is 10 p.m. Great job to Connor and to Sus tonight behind the glass. Also to Kevin Dexter on the updates. I'll see you tomorrow, 7 p.m. sharp, for the second installment of the Danielle Doubleheader here on WFAN. In the meantime, you know my social media is at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, and Pete Hoffman, the Hoff. That's right. Hoff next in minutes. He's right to my left. Enjoy it, everybody. He's going to break down the Mets game and everything else with you tonight here on WFAN. Sports Radio 101.9 FM.